All right, choose mugs, place your bets on the table. This is how we do things here in the Dub Talk Casino. Now, no funny business, no slugs, and hey, 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 what's this here? Is this a button? Wait, oh, I all the signs I order. All right, looks like I'm gonna have to go over the rules one last time for use. One. The Dub Tuck Casino contains foul language that may not be suitable for younger gamblers. Listener discretion is advised. Secondly, spoilers are always present here, so do not reveal your cards unless you've finished the series we've been talking about. You hear me? And finally, all the opinions expressed are the opinions of the Dub Tuck participants individually and do not necessarily reflect Dub Tuck as a whole. Alright, use wise guys, place your bets, check your cards. The name of the game is Kakegarui. <laughs> Welcome one and all to the Dub Talk Casino, where all of your darkest needs can become a reality. We have all the finest games here. We have chips available ranging in value from a penny up to $10 million. All you have to do is put down as much as you want to bet. And if you don't have the cash to pay, we will gladly take your life. Yes, we have all the finest games and all the finest people here to celebrate in the Dub Talk Casino. And to kick off the celebration, we are talking about the greatest gambling anime that came out in 2017. And ladies and gentlemen, you have the honor of joining us. If you will take a seat and pull up your cards, we are going to talk about, yes, Studio Mappa's Kakegurui, or better known as Compulsive Gambler, because as you may have guessed from the title, all the people in this show just love to get their gambling on. Speaking of gamblers, I have brought with me the finest gambler since Kenny Rogers to kickstart this celebration. To my, straight across from me on the table, say hello to the Blackjack King himself, Spaceman Hardy! Yo, hit me. Not literally. <laughs> and to my left of the table, it is the queen of the big wheel itself. And I'm not just talking about roulette, it is Gigi! If it doesn't land on times 100, it's not good enough for me. We've been watching a few too many episodes of The Price is Right. That's not from The Price is Right. I, I don't know what the big wheel's from. I, like, I'm gonna I take you it... to Vegas! Yay! I'll show we're going you! To Vegas. Woo! <laughs> Alright! We're going to, like, the, uh, what's it, Cirque du Soleil after that, right? Oh, yeah, the Michael Jackson one. Sweet. And, uh, speaking of, uh, multi-talented young men, we also have, to my right, the man who is far too pure for this casino, actually. He just barely got in since he just passed 21. He is the Go Fish Master himself, Andrew! One fish, two fish, debt fish, jackpot. <laughs> Beautiful. Beautiful. And I am the poker champion of this podcast, not of the world. Noah Clue, ready to talk about this show. Uh, everyone, how are we doing tonight? I'm doing Quit very scratching well. Your Quit scratching your chin, Noah Clue. You're giving your tells away. I'm ready to win some money, but I'm feeling a little weird. Like this eye patch kind of itches. I'm looking at my fingers and thinking, boy, do I love my nails. I'm glad they're on my hand. Those are really also, pretty. Do you thanks. get manicures? Oh my god, thank you. I'm glad somebody else appreciates my hard work. 
and Hardy, your your blue lipstick is just fantastic. You must tell me where you got it from. Oh, I picked up a Slurpee at Seven Eleven on the way here. I <laughs> just smeared it all over the face. No, it that just happens when you drink a Slurpee. It's classy. So that so that's what happened to Elsa in Frozen. I was wondering about that. Let it go, Noah. God no. damn it. <laughs> We're here for just the bare necessities, clearly. They'll come to you. Are we going to lay it all out on the table? Uh, everything that we got. Um, so uh, even though we all come from uh, moderate middle class backgrounds, we are going to actually talk about a show that is all about the super wealthy or people who used to be wealthy and then gambled it all away. Like I said, we're talking about Kake Garui, the, spring, the, no, the summer 2017 smash hit from Studio Mappa that we finally get to talk about the dub for, because it finally aired on Netflix and its completion. So um, even though the you may have seen the show already uh, for any number of reasons, we are here to talk about the dub. Is everyone excited? Look, we're not going to judge about your pirate means. There's already a girl in this show who's missing an eyeball. She's great. She, and according to Gigi, she's apparently best girl. We'll, get to, best we'll girl. get to it. We'll get to it. Yeah, the, the series has a yeah. For those who haven't uh, haven't seen the show yet, Kakegurui is a show. It's a high school show, but not just your typical everyday high school. This is a school where gambling is the way of the law. Every student is obsessed with gambling, and you can get anything you want. A lot of them gamble for money, then get into heavy debt and have to be part of the system where they have to be pets if they can't repay it in cash, and they're basically. Uh, lower lower cast people. And we start this series, actually, by meeting a couple of them. We meet Ryota, who is this uh, young man who is currently in debt of 5 million yen, to a very crazy blonde girl named Mary, who is basically ruling her class in terms of causing people to gamble. But all of their lives get shaken up when the brand new transfer Susan, Yumiko, comes and basically turns out to be a gambler like no other. She is not in it for the money. She is not in it for the power. She just loves the thrill of the game. And throughout the 12-episode series, she basically uproots the student council who has made the school the way it is. Uh, individual people who thought they wanted money and turns out they wanted something more. Uh, all the way just uh, building up debts, then getting rid of debts, and... Really being a very unusually entertaining show. So, um, I'm glad we finally get a chance to talk about this. Mm-hmm. So, um, everyone, uh, I think we should, uh, move on over to the direction. Who directed this fine show? Who's our dealer for tonight? Okay, so if you've never seen Dub Talk before, and after 100 plus episodes, that's kind of interesting. Well, welcome, by the way. Uh, what we do is we go over the cast, both the director, the scriptwriter, and all the key actors and how they performed and our basically our impressions of it. So for this particular show, the director uh, is... Uh, uh, important side note, by the way. For tonight's episode, we are covering the English dub. Because this is a Netflix show, this show is available in several <laughs> different languages. For the sake of tonight's discussion, we are only discussing the English dub. Como estas? I... I, I... Andrew, I had notes for the French version and the German version and everything. Suck on here. Le oh my god. <laughs> okay, well for time constraints fuck. Here, we will we will keep it to just the English cast. And this was a uh, California dub, so um, uh, keep that in mind when talking about the actors and the performers and their particular styles here. Speaking of which, the key director, the vocal director for this fine show is one Steve Cannon. 
Now, if that's a name that sounds familiar to you, it's probably not for directing before, because this is the first time that this voice actor has actually gotten a chance to direct before. He's been in a handful of shows as a voice actor, but this is his first time breaking into the director's chair. So this will be kind of interesting to discuss uh, the first time he gets his hand on directing. But you can't direct without a script. And to help him out, we've got some cool writers. We've got a couple uh, seasoned veterans of anime scripting, and those are Christian Lamont and Rachel Robinson. Now, Christian Lamont uh, is very interesting in that uh, a lot of the credits I've seen for him, he's actually mostly a Funimation writer over in Texas. Like, he's written scripts for Garo the Animation, for Maria the Virgin Witch, and interestingly enough, Castletown Dandelion. Uh, probably most interesting, though, of the credits I saw, he was actually a scriptwriter for Skip Beat, which um, I need to get around to watching someday. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and speaking of um, high-profile shows... Rachel Robinson has done quite a few of those as well, and she's also someone who uh, seems to do a lot of work mostly for Funimation, so it's kind of interesting that I see two Texas writers uh, working on a California dub. Rachel's written for shows like Show by Rock, Snow White with the Red Hair, and uh, one that I haven't seen, but I'm going to throw this in for you, Gigi, Convenience Store Boyfriends. I haven't seen that shit either. (laughs) Is it? That was so boring, I fell asleep in the first two minutes about ten times. So you're saying that we shouldn't feel guilty passing that one up? No, please go to the left with Convenience Store Boyfriends. I'm sure it's a great show if you get past the first two minutes in which I fell asleep through. Duly noted. M- plenty of shows are like that. So, um, Hardy, um, want to tell me a little bit about what you thought about the writing and di- just the writing and direction on Kakegurui's English dub? Well, it's funny that you refer to Rachel Robinson as a Texas-based uh, writer, because she just recently moved out to L.A. with Chris Bevins. So. That is right. Mm-hmm. But uh, is this. Now, I'm sorry. I didn't see any uh, dubs on her uh, A&N list that were specifically for California. Uh, has she done any in the past that you know of? No, but she used to be a Californian actress. So this she's actually returning to L.A. Because she okay. was originally in Helsing Ultimate. As, was she? Uh, Zorn Blintz. Was yep. she? Oh, wow. She was Zorn Blintz. Yeah. I did not know that. Right. But anyways, uh, back on topic, uh, I think the direction had to be pulled off in this particular show because everyone has their moments of absolute bat crap craziness. Uh, It called for some really strong direction when everybody goes nuts and loses their minds. And I think for a first timer, Steve Cannon did a really good job. Um, As far as the writing goes, everything was generally okay. I did have an issue with a few lines here and there, particularly one, let's get our gambling freak on. Oh, thank God somebody else said that besides me. Because no matter how often you say that, it's never going to sound right. So, But other than that particular line, everything else sounded pretty good. Everybody's crazy and fun, and it's a lot of fun to listen to. I'm actually curious right. how the original line of that like translates in Japanese, or if that was just like a weird thing that didn't quite translate. I mean, like when I saw the trailer in Japanese, it said "Let's get our gamble freak on," and I was like, "There has to be another way to translate that because it just sounds awkward." Okay, okay. Yeah, it's it's it brings me back to the Neto Gay dub, where they say "Bad Mama Jamma." <laughs> I'm like, I forgot about that. <laughs> no matter how many times you say that phrase, it is never going to catch on. It's like fetch in Mean Girls. Stop saying that <laughs> phrase. 
It's not going to become a thing. No, you underestimate the world. Like, in about ten years from now, get our gambling freak on is going to be, like, slang for, I don't know, like, let's file our taxes or something. I can't believe somebody brought up Mean don't Girls. Talk... I can't believe somebody brought up no, Mean uh... Girls and it wasn't Gigi. Right? No, like, you do not <laughs> want to say the phrase filing taxes in front of me right now. I'm just putting that out there. Mm, okay. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> You're right. Yes. Okay, okay, um, speaking Anyways, of, that's uh, all I have to G say. Okay, GG. Uh, uh, similar thoughts about the dub as far as directing and, act and writing goes? I mean, kind of. Um, just that for somebody, okay, in my YouTube videos, my catchphrase is let's get our anime on, let's get our unboxing on, whatever it is, we're getting it on. Just to have an anime's tagline be let's get our gamble freak on, I just, that is mind-boggling it just is so awkward and then i was like do i sound that awkward when i talk in my youtube videos but the answer is no um you're you're not gambling your nails away i know and i'm not getting my freak on on camera so i'm sure everyone's super excited for that um i thought there were a, a couple of awkward lines other than that in the dub um there were a lot of statistics and everything in there um and I mean, I know a lot about gambling because I go to Vegas enough and I have a bunch of friends who are obsessed with it. Like, hello, March Madness is going on now. So that's just we don't uh, even want to we don't even want to talk about March Madness. No, don't don't remind me. My, my work has a giant bracket printout up on one of the office walls. And I, I'm like, I don't. OK, I get it, but this it's <laughs> but just you, not going to be for me. But you don't get it. And the thing is, is that a lot of the gambling stuff tries to be explained by um yumeko or what that's her yumiko. Name? yumiko 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 the exposition fairy um but a lot of it was still very technical for me and i know a lot about gambling and i'm not stupid but i didn't get it so like i feel that there oh. could have been some things that were not I don't know if they were lost in translation or if there were just some other ways that they could have been written that would have helped to explain the more statistical things better. But it does like it does help some of the a lot of the games I'll agree with you. It helps if you have a prior knowledge of how they're played and like if you you don't understand the rules of poker for instance or you don't know like what the value of a king, a jack or a queen is, you're probably not going to get right off the hand a couple of the games they play i mean for example it was mostly the one um the life or death game that was the one that i had problems with the most because i was just like i still don't understand this and i've watched this episode three times i have a question the though is that the fault of the adr direction script or is that the fault of the source material i don't know because i didn't watch it in japanese because if if in my it, from what it sounds like it sounds like a lot of this is more or less from source material I don't know. Maybe. Who knows? I didn't watch it in Japanese. Ain't nobody got time for that. Um, as as for the direction, um, so this is an anime about crazy girls who get off to gambling. We're not going to beat around the bush here or throw any punches. That's what this anime is about. There are faces that make everybody go nutso. Like... And you have to feel like a the sense of crazy, b the sense of danger, and c the sense of like sexual excitement from everyone. And for the most part, it was like fifty fifty with all with all the characters in it. Like some of them, I felt like really got into it, and other ones I thought were just meh. So I think like with the direction wise, 
all of them needed to have that moment where they went completely batshit crazy, except maybe the culture club girl, not Boy George, but whatever her name was. You know who I'm talking yeah, about. Yuriko. Yes. So, and I just, for some of them, I just, I don't know if there could have been some direction choices or things to help them to push their craziness even further because like I said some of them went there and some of them didn't and there needed to be a point for almost every single character to get there I just thought he could have gone even further with his direction like in, an, in a show like this you can't be afraid you can't hold anything back literally so I felt that he was kind of holding back a little I disagree completely really what? I, defend yourself it sounded like I've I'm very familiar with a lot of these actors and actresses that because I've heard them in a lot of different things at this point. I'm very familiar with them. It felt like this was a show where sometimes this wasn't like the furthest I've seen them go off the deep end, but it's definitely further than I usually get to hear for a lot of them. And that was pretty exciting. I'm I'm not that much into the technicality of gambling or how that works, but the thing that excited me most about the show was, like, the reactions and how these characters essentially outsmart each other, play all these different roles, where it's like sometimes they're playing... They, they're all wearing different masks. A character is literally wearing a mask throughout the entire show, but they're all playing these different sides of themselves, where it's like they're all cutesy, and this is their public persona, this is what they really think, and this is how they look when they break. And... All these characters, when they played these three aspects of these characters, I think basically everybody nailed it pretty goddamn spectacularly. The performances, the glorious, glorious ham on display was stupendous. I enjoyed the script. It, like I said, I think ga the Gamble Freak thing is just... I'm not sure how they could have translated that, but it didn't bug me. I felt this show was like a cheesy, glorious, like watch everybody kind of go nuts and i'd argue that they they went pretty goddamn far or as far as like they could have gone i was very pleasantly surprised with the direction given to the actors and i enjoyed the script that was given to them so you didn't have andrew you didn't have a problem with the description of the games at all like none of that quite confused you. i'm gonna be honest it did but at the end of the day i kind of realized i watched a show not to really experience like the tension of the gambling but rather i went into it kind of expecting somebody to outsmart each other and everybody to collectively lose their shit i was entertained less i think by the hardcore gambling porn on display and more by the actual freak out orgasm porn on display that, that's fair enough I, I i do know a lot of people tuned in specifically for that element like this show could have been about a number of different things to get freaked out about. And the fact that they made it gambling was like, okay, that's the paint on the show itself. But it could have been swapped out for, like, I don't know, like, um, a sports anime, for example. Like, Hardy, would you call this a sports anime? Uh, actually, no. Really? Uh, believe it or not, no. I've made it's... my arguments about Death Parade, but th here's the difference. Death Parade is a series of sports, a series of games um, that revolve... A, with a little bit of luck, but mostly skill. Gambling, on the other hand, is exactly the opposite. Uh, they're games that involve a whole lot of luck and a little bit of skill. That's the difference there. I would call this a sports anime. 
No. I mean, there's no one gambling thing to it itself. They're all a bunch of different games, which is sort of the argument I get against Death Parade is that it focuses on different games and not one specific one. And I think it's a similar deal with Kakeguri. But we could do the sports thing uh, literally any other night. That being said, I like the direction and the script writing both very well. All right, that's fine. Um, I'm also kind of in Gigi's camp in that I didn't quite think the writing was up to par in describing some of the games. And here's the problem with it. It's not that I needed to know how the game was played so that I can go out and play it myself. It's that I need to know what the rules of the game are so that while the show's going out, when they, like, reveal the hand that lets you know who won or not, I want to be able to tell just from the visuals who won. I don't want someone to have to come out and say, and therefore, Yumiko is the winner. Like, I, I want that that split-second reaction to come off without having vocals to describe that. So, uh, But I, I think a lot of that is just because some of the games are a little complex. Um, it may not have been something they could have... Exa- they, they did perfectly well in the writing. Um, maybe it's just something that requires a second watch-through to understand entirely. And as for the direction, I'm also going to give... I'm going to give Andrew, actually, the benefit on this one, because I also think they went as far as they could go on this one. The problem is that when, usually in an anime where someone gets to their breaking point, it's like the last part of their arc that we see, or it's like the last minute of their development. In this show, it's there's every like... every episode. Is long, and there's long stretches, <laughs> long stretches of them having to sound crazy. Like that, uh, that one episode with uh, Kayade where uh, we watch uh, Yumiko try to convince Itsuki to basically gamble her life away. That, there's like a minute to two minutes of whole buildup about how we should gamble our lives away. You cannot keep that that level of energy any further beyond the level that they went without it getting into absolutely unbelievable territory. It hit just the sweet spot of over-the-top crazy while still believably human. Mm-hmm. Like, yes, these people are... There's humanity underneath it all. These aren't demons gambling the underworld away. These are regular... Not regular humans, but there's humanity in there somewhere. Well, to to be fair, I'm not talking about, like, when they break. I'm talking about when they're trying to get off, and it's not working. <laughs> they could, That's what I'm talking about. Okay. Well, don't worry, Gigi. It happens to lots of people. I mean, I understand. <laughs> oh. That's very unfortunate. I just, I, I wanted more. I wanted more. Okay, so we don't have a consensus on this. It sounds like everyone kind of went into it expecting something different and got something a little different out of this. Um, if you're in team, if you're in Camp GG and you wanted it uh, more over the top, I don't know what to tell you. And if you're more in the it hit just the right spot, then um, I can totally see that. I'm jealous of your life. And if you were in the camp that said it went too far over the top, I I can't agree with that at all. Like it, this went just far enough over the top. Different, str- so, uh, different strokes for different yeah. blokes. So. <laughs> this, this, this is going to be interesting. Uh, an interesting podcast. This is going to be very interesting. <laughs> Are you okay over there, Gigi? Keep going. Uh, boy, we just we lost her. Okay, um, we lost the Joker. All right, let's uh, swap out our hands for a brand new deck of cards, shall we? And uh, now, uh, talking about the cast here. A lot of the cast that we're going to be talking about are members of the student council. The school's student council is right up there with Utena in terms of evil student council trying to change the world and runs the entire school the way they want to. 
Um, interestingly enough, though, this is a student council that's got more than four members. It's got, like, eight members, so we're going to run down a bunch of them. Now, the first two we're going to talk about are probably the least uh, plot-focused ones. They're more, like, fun background characters who just get to show up. The first one is Runa, who is the lollipop-eating, rabbit-cosplaying, video-game-playing uh, annoying person who pops up throughout the entire show. She's Umaru, um, basically. She's basically 18-plus Umaru. Yeah, these guys pointed that out right before we started recording, and I can't get that image out of my head now. Umar, especially the U-M-R element of her. She's basically the... She's basically what happens if Umaru uh, eventually gets out of school and she becomes a full-on neat. That's a scary thought, and I'm looking forward to that season getting greenlit. <laughs> now, speaking of uh, someone who is not a neat, uh, we've also got Yuriko. Uh, I'm going to try to pronounce the last name. Yuriko Nishinatowen? Nishinatowen, I think. Thank you. Thank you. Um, this is a voice of uh, Reason, more? No, not even Reason. Um, she's the head of the Culture Club, who is uh, one of the less crazy people, but also... Uh, is probably the more noble ones because she is running a club that takes money from people in gambling, but specifically to keep her uh, her club members from being treated as pets because she, she's basically taking in girls who have a lot of debt and she's keeping them from being treated like crap by the rest of the students. So, but uh, we need some crazy voices for these crazy people. For Runa, we get Kylie Mills. And this Kaylee. is. Uh, I knew I was going to get that wrong. So it's pronounced K-A-Y-L-I. I knew I was going to get that wrong. Hey-o. You know, you know like Haley Mills? Hey. Hey. Yeah. Now I want to go listen to more Paramore. So, uh, She's in the parent trap, yo. Why did I think of Hey, which one is the one who said of That's Haley Williams. I Dang it. Man, you are really I... bad with your music. This seems consecutive you... throughout Dub Talk. You got well actually up the wazoo tonight. <laughs> Dang it all. That I mean, we're all wearing put a, fedoras. Put a collar around my neck and call me Fido. Fido! So, uh, but, uh, Kaylee, did I get it right? Yes. Yes. Uh, okay. Uh, she hasn't been in, uh, as many shows as some of the other actresses we're going to talk about. She's actually been in a couple of shows that I will not mention because we may do upcoming episodes about them. But a couple that she's been in that I can talk about is she was Miu in Occultic 9, and in an episode we just did, she was Fior in Fate Apocrypha. Now, talking about Yuriko, this is a voice actress who has been in a whole lot of stuff that I can list all of. This is Christina V very well-known actress who has played voices such as Louise in the Familiar of Zero franchise, Mio in Kaon, and Best Girl Homaru in Madoka Magica. So, these two characters, um, Hardy, uh, do, you ha do you have any notes on these two that don't get a whole lot of development in the show, but still show up in quite a few episodes? Uh, with Yuriko, I'll make it short and sweet. I literally do not remember anything about this character, nor the performance. <laughs> You don't remember the, the roulette wheel of knives? I remember the knives, but I don't know what I was doing while watching that episode. So mm. it is pretty much an entire blur. And yeah, I have no idea what it sounded like or anything. I think I was falling asleep at that point. But but yeah, I don't remember anything about her. I, I just a, don't. That's a first. That, that, 
never happened before and will never happen again. Probably. Uh, thankfully, with Runa, she she shows up a bit more towards the end, and I don't really I'm not really familiar with Kaylee Mills. I don't think I've watched anything else that she's been in. Um, but she really pulls off the crazy lowly uh, really well, and uh, I get the suspicion that Runa is actually sort of more than what she appears to be. Like she might be the big boss behind the scenes. And so when she goes into a serious mode, you know that she means business. And I think Kaylee is able to pull off the two uh, various um, attitudes that she has very well. So I look forward to hearing more from her in the future. Uh, but, I mean, she didn't... The character is a bit too secondary for me to really have a big opinion. But I think she did well. Also, FYI, we haven't read the manga. Don't tell us if Hardy is right or wrong, please. We don't know. Don't spoil it. Please don't. Don't, don't tell us that Runa was Kingpin all along. God damn it. <laughs> or, or Tombstone. Or any other head, big bosses in comic books. So, uh, Gigi, um, you got any opinions about Chinese Russian roulette and put down the video games and let me eat my goddamn sugar? Yeah, the little baby, who I like to refer to as Chibiusa. No. Um, oh my god. The, the... <laughs> As the war... No, no, that is not how a rabbit should act. Um, If you've seen Sailor Moon, the old Deke dub, Chibiusa's a fucking brat. Um, So Runa definitely is played to type. She's exactly... You know, the voice sounds exactly like I thought it was going to be. Um, she's super annoying and bratty, which that's what she needed to be. It's not something I would go out of my way to listen to, but it really worked for the character. And bravo, Kaylee Mills, who I don't know if that's your real name or not, but if it's not, very good choice. Um, and I, sorry, I really like Haley Mills, you guys. Fucking wiki her. Um <laughs> And, uh, yeah, I thought she did a really good performance. She didn't really have the chance to go as crazy as some as, as some of the other characters. So I thought she was good for what she did. It's just, you know, not my type of character. You guys know anybody that looks like a small child, I kind of want to just, like the characters, I just kind of want to push them to the side and not go there. Um, you want to drop, kick them into an electric fan, I think is what you said. I, I mean, that's really violent, but if you want to think that, I mean, that's your choice. <laughs> um, as for <laughs> Yuriko, uh, I know she's supposed to be very refined, but I feel like Christina made the voice a little bit too cutesy. Like, I don't know if maybe I felt like she should sound a little bit older. I thought she sounded a little bit young and a little bit... I, I, I don't know. Like, I just, I couldn't match the voice to the the character. Like, I felt like this character really should have been more refined and have, like, a little bit more of, like, a, a straight-laced wooden performance. And we didn't mm -hmm. get that, which is good because you, you know, ideally don't want a performance to be wooden. But at the same time, I thought, I, I don't know, maybe she sounded too young. Which is weird to say for somebody playing a high school girl, but... I was going to say. Yeah, it, it wasn't my favorite. Um, and she didn't also didn't get a chance to go really crazy because she's trying to hold back the whole time, so I can't speak to that either. That's fair. Uh, Alright, you done? 
yo, I'm done. Okay, cool, cool. Uh, I'll be quick in regards to Christina's character. I have the least to say about her, but I do actually think Christina V does a very good job with her performance. I think she does a fine enough job being the prim and proper classical, like, Japanese lady that they're trying to go for. But also, you do see, like, her freaking out and breaking to the sweat when uh, y Yumiko starts calling her shit out. Which, like, she, she doesn't have really anything to do after episode 3. So there's not much else to judge from, like, what I first saw. But I think Christina Fee does a really good job. She's a great actress. I wouldn't put this as, like, one for more notable roles. But I do think that she did a good job. Kaylee Mills is uh, another story. Because I have heard her in two other shows uh, she's done recently. All three of them sound very different. I think in uh, Fate Apocrypha, she was a much more, like kind of prim proper like good girl kind of character like she is a she is a lady with a good heart and dealing with a lot of things but this is the exact opposite of that voice i expected from fate apocrypha mm -hmm. and this is her going full-on snot-nosed brat and it was great it's like much more cutesy and <laughs> it was much more cutesy and crazy than i'm used to from her it was her own rendition of a umaru-esque character and I think she pulled it off exceptionally well. It's very distinct and different than what I'm typically familiar with from her. And that stood out a lot to me. Like, when you see her being so cutesy and calling people out, but then when you see her being like, you better shut your mouth, otherwise they're disqualified, you pig. I'm like, ooh. <laughs> ooh, yeah, no, uh... Kaylee is uh, definitely a name to look out for. I've heard her in three things at this point, all of which are exceptional in their own right. And yeah, I like while I think Runa doesn't have that much to do, every time she's on screen, she stands out. So that's high praise. Good job, Kaylee. That, that is indeed, especially for like she's one of the few characters that we're going to talk about that does not get to actually be part of one of the gambling games. Mm-hmm. And like Hardy said, I, I kind of get the feeling that might be because she is the the mastermind, the master mastermind behind the whole thing. But we will not know yet. Uh, I do think that uh, I agree with you guys on uh, Kaylee's performance, just because I I don't know exactly what I expected when I saw the design. Like Gigi said that uh, it was the voice you expected. I kind of expected something a little more moe, but that's just because what I'm used to from uh, lolly characters in anime. This is more like. Uh, uh, like if um, if Harley Quinn was still in high school and had a major sugar fetish, like this is a voice that's squeaky and loud all the time and just plain nuts. Especially when she capitulates between the uh, the cutesier, you're gonna be married to a businessman and you'll have a perfect, you'll be perfectly fine, and then jumps to the and you can't get out of it. There's no way out. There's nothing but death ahead for you for the rest of your life. That. That's a contrast that I enjoyed very greatly, so kudos on her for going full ham in the recording booth. That must have been a lot of fun to record. As for Christina V, um, I, I know you guys said that you didn't quite have a lot of notes on what she sounded like, but I could have sworn when she was talking throughout the entire show, I thought it was Wendy Lee. I could have sworn, without looking at the cast list, I thought she was trying to be Wendy Lee throughout the entire run of the show. Interesting. And I, Yeah. Mm -hmm. It was like, just like, you, you know what Wendy Lee sounds like? Just the, the speech pattern she has and the, the inflection. No, no now that I think about it, I can totally see it. Yeah, it's it, it's someone who's got, like, 
false sincerity. Like, she's not being snarky. She's being kind of sincere about uh, her role in the show, but not to the point that I believe her. Like, you can definitely tell she's hiding something, which we find out she kind of is in the way that she's rigging one of the games. She's got a smile on her face and a dagger sneaked behind her. Actually, ten silver and daggers. Ten tiny silver daggers. That game confuses me to no end, because they're... The way that, okay, you shake the knives and you slam them on the on the ground, there's no guarantee that they're going to go blade first into one of the holes. Like, you would expect them to just, like, fall flat on the ground. And that's a tiny hole to fit into. Giggity. I, <laughs> Stop God it. damn it! God damn it, Andrew! God damn it! <laughs> Son of a bitch! Make this another citrus, you piece of shit. What? <laughs> God damn it! We got, how, how far did we get us? We got 53 minutes of recording. God where'd you get 53 minutes okay i'm on the skype calls been going okay okay so yeah that was uh that's all the notes i had on that two characters who um are they're they're important to the show they just don't get as much development as some of the other ones we're going to talk about so are uh have we all laid down our hands when we're ready to move on to the next game i I win i fold as well and oh my god is it time to talk about the fun ones oh yes oh boy Oh boy. Oh, uh, you have no idea. You people at home, if you're all playing the home game, we get to talk about... Some people call them the best characters. Uh, They're definitely some of the more fun ones. Mm -hmm. We're going to talk about the idol and the crazy eyepatch girl. The beautician. Call her by her title. She is the beautician. I'm not calling her by... I'm calling her by take this gun and fire girl. Can we talk about the fact that uh, the beauticians suddenly have the rights to arrest people? How does that work? You don't mess well, with the girl with the gun, yo. Girl with the gun has all the power. Fair point. Who are they, Noah? So, uh, these characters who we're talking about, uh, our idol uh, with stars in her eyes is Yumemi. And she is the, um, like I said, she is the, every show of this type needs to have at least one idol character, and she is ours. Uh, she's also a member of the student council in terms of, um, I believe she's part of publicity. And she's also, specifically, she's trying to get good in her idol career so that she can eventually go on to Hollywood and basically win an Oscar. Um, good luck with that. But uh, the one the one that Gigi wants to talk about, and quite frankly, we all want to I want to talk about her so badly, is Midari. Yes, this is uh, the, the beautician who... We won't spoil why, but she has lost an eye for a very particular reason, and she gets off on not gambling for money, but gambling for the thrill of life and death, which is why she, in the opening, you see her firing a gun at herself. There is a very good reason for that. It's... This girl needs to be medicated and put in the same uh, padded room from the Green Mile for a very long time. Straight... She's so great. Straight up, that whole intro is just full of symbolism and foreshadowing. It's fucking great. I got two episodes in the show, and I I was on the opening, I'm like, this is not spoiling what's going to happen, but it's spoiling what games are going to happen with all the characters as it comes up. This is true. So, Alright, who plays but, uh, them? The voices for these characters. Uh, Yumemi is voiced by one Faye Mata, who has been in a couple of big things, actually. Uh, go back to fate apocrypha she was writer of black in fate apocrypha best boy of stolfo i have no context for that because i haven't seen fate apocrypha yet 
I should probably change that soon, shouldn't I? Uh, honestly, if you're not into fate, you're probably going to be very confused. It's going to be weird. I'm just saying Astolfo is best boy. I, I tried watching Fate Zero a long time ago, and I just <coughs> no, didn't get no, into it. No, continue. So, uh, also, she is Ryuka in Occult 9, and uh, ruler of the entire world, she is Rin in the Love Live School Idol Project franchise. Now? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Ruler of the... Speaking of idols that will rule the world one day. And as for Madari, this is uh, interesting, because I didn't, I didn't expect this actress when we got to her, but um, it's Sarah Ann Williams, who uh, is probably best known as Sayaka in Madoka Magica, or also Lizbeth in Sword Art Online, oh. and, yep, yep, that particular one. And going back to Fate Apocrypha, she is Berserker of Black. Uh, she know. is Frankenstein's monster, and she is a very good girl. I'm surprised you didn't mention she was known on Jacuzare in Kill a Kill. I didn't remember. Oh, oh, wait, now I remember. Oh, yeah. I, I forgot that that was that particular character. Yep. That, that character still gives me nightmares. So, um, Hardy, speaking of nightmares, you want to talk about uh, Idol and Eyepatch? Sure, sure. I just want to say, this show doesn't have best girls. It has least worst girls. <laughs> <laughs> because these girls are crazy. Let's put it that way. Um, so, <laughs> starting with Yumemi, um, Faye Mata has actually become one of my uh, voice actresses to watch lately. Um, because I haven't seen very many things that she's in. She's in another show that we're, I can't mention because we're going to be talking about it later. Mm -hmm. But I was really impressed with her there. And I'm even more so impressed with her here because she's really able to pull off the duality of Yumemi's personas so well. Maybe because of her, she already has experience playing an idol in Love Live. So she was able to pull off Yumemi's really sweet, you know, thanks for coming, guys. I love all my fans. And then go into her evil, you know, I hate them. You know, why must they touch me with their dirty fingers? And Hand sanitize, gargle, spit. Ah. Yeah. Why do they have to dance that stupid dance all the time? But yeah. No, I was really impressed with her here. And uh, in Sarah's case, I did not know that she was capable of producing this sort of performance because in everything I've heard her before in, she's been the very sort of, you know, high-pitched voice, really bratty type of character, like in Excel World and, um, and such. Here, um... I didn't know that was possible. <laughs> I really didn't. Uh, this character has issues, to say the very least. Um, for one thing, her she's got to be a metal detector's worst nightmare. <laughs> she's got more metal in her face than a silverware drawer. <laughs> oh, that's what you meant. I thought you meant. I I thought you meant where where the gun goes. <laughs> what? Oh, oh, God. oh, you just made it dirty. <laughs> oh, God. This whole thing was already dirty. I thought you meant that. Oh, God. Oh. But anyways, no, it was, I was really impressed with the absolute, you know, insanity that Sarah was able to bring to this character. It was something I have never heard from her before. Um, even in other insane roles like it, like Sayaka in Monica Magica. Um, 
but yeah, it's just I was very floored by it to be perfectly honest. It's probably the single most passionate performance. But no, I mean I've I did not expect this sort of thing from Sarah Ann Williams and it's a welcome surprise. So um just make sure that you clean the table afterwards because that's one messy table. Get your sandy wipes ready. You guys just don't understand. You don't understand the passion of the best girl. We don't understand, Gigi. Please tell us. You don't seem to understand that, like, uh, they're all so crazy, but she is, like, the queen of crazy. Like, literally, I could just watch a show about her all day. Like. Yeah, Midari. Like, forget all the rest of the girls. I would watch the Midari show all day. I love this character because she's completely nuts. And when I was talking in the beginning about how some characters I thought got to that level and some of them didn't, Midari went 300,000%. And Sarah, oh my god, girl. Girl, you sold it. Like I was just I was just so like you first see her and you're like, "Oh, she's kind of cool." And then you see how nuts she is. And then I was like, "Oh, she's still kind of cool." And I was like, "Oh my god, she is Yeah, I just I really thought that Sarah's performance was so crazy and she really got all of the little eccentricities of this character like she's broken and she's trying to act like she's not broken and then she just she loves the thrill of it so much that I literally like felt her like at parts I was like like breathing really heavily because I was just like oh my god like what is happening I don't understand it's so great so she is Madaria's best girl Sarah took this performance she's the best one in the show fucking fight me I have a gun, so you probably shouldn't. Whoa, whoa. Oh. Um, as for uh, you, Mamie, w- she was also really good. And I thought she took hers to like 200% too. Like she was fantastic. This Faye Mata. I've never heard of her, so I don't know anything that she's done. Um, she was absolutely perfect in the idol part. Um, it's not a, a voice that I would particularly care for in the idol part, but that's what made it perfect like you could just feel like the the fake idleness oozing out of it i don't really know how other to it, it was saccharine that. it was yeah it was just like friggin splenda your voice is splenda <laughs> oh man Ouch. no that's good though because that saccharine side to her when the evil flip yeah. happened oh my god mm. I think this character definitely had the best, or, and uh, Faye's voice had the best contrast between the I'm okay, I'm sort of crazy part, here's me, and then the I'm gonna fucking stab you in the face. Like, I just, I, <laughs> she definitely had the best contrast there, and I have nothing but good things to say about these two performances. So, bravo, girls, I don't know, although, fuck, I did not know she was freaking Sayaka in Monica Magica. Hey, but- That's bull. Yeah. blowing my mind right now <laughs> this is now you this know. is why we do our research kids uh okay the more you know the more you know okay so in regards to these two i'm gonna start my thoughts with you um 
Honestly, in regards to both of these two, uh, both Faye and Sarah, they've been names that have crossed my desk before, but not until, like, I've watched several shows in this year alone have they become, like, yeah, these aren't just good actresses, these are great actresses, and I need to keep the fucking watch whenever I see their names now. Because uh, both of them were standouts to me in Fate Apocrypha, and both of them are standouts in Kakegurui. Yumemi, uh, first, let's get, start with Yumemi. Uh, Starstruck Idol, Faye Mata playing another idol girl. It's just so goddamn funny to me. Uh, her adorable, like, public persona is contrasted so well with her outrageous, angry, violent, true self. And just the pure anger and frustration and agitation she exudes throughout all of it while still being like, Oh my god, thanks for supporting me! Love your faces! God damn it, I know I just did that thing. <laughs> I keep thinking about, like... <laughs> idol stuff, and it's like, that's such a very, that's a thing that comes to mind in Gigi's catchphrase, love your faces. I mean, she does remember all of her, all her fans, specifically, like, the details in their faces, so that does not... That is impressive memory, credit where it's you due. You gotta do that. But yeah, no. Idol skill. No, for real. Uh, Faye Mata, uh, very much impressed by her. I think she did a great job. Let's talk about Sarah Ann Williams, though. Okay. <sighs> I could probably pick any any single performance in the show and say it is uh, a gloriously hammy role. And by what we mean at Dub Talk by hammy is that it is like they are scenery chewing, they are dominating every second they are on screen, they are owning it, and we say it is hammy because it's like they are chewing the scenery. And in regards to this show in particular, I'd say. Sarah Ann Williams as Midari is the most gloriously hammy of them all. And in a show made of entirely hammy scenery chewing, that is high praise. The screaming, <laughs> the arousal, and the, the much huskier tone, and the usual high-pitched Sarah Williams roles. It truly is the craziest of the crazy. It's crazy. It's angry. It's sexy. It's orgasmic Ooh. madness. Also, hilariously, super goddamn thirsty. She wants a. <laughs> okay, so maybe that's why I like her so she much. Is super she is super thirsty. Reminds me of me. Oh, you know, she, oh, you know what she, she is? is? Midari, Midari is the personification of the horny on main side of any Twitter. Why? Because she wants a super hot girl to rule over her, dominate her, and kill her. That. Is that, basically my that, entire experience with the thirstiest people on any Twitter, and that is exactly so, what Midari is. Tribute? So, what what was that again? You say a super hot girl to rule over her, to and, rule over, and... dominate, and kill her. So it's marriage. <laughs> Holes. Oh. Full disclaimer: We here at Dub Talk do not condone marriage at all in any way says the one guy says the one guy of us with a ring on it but i'm sorry i couldn't both of them okay where are the keys there are no keys there is no safe word tonight we're cocking the gun putting the trigger and praying for dear mercy sarah and williams sarah and williams though well done holy shit goddamn this was amazing holy shit it's really 
it's really telling that she was the craziest and yeah i'll agree probably the, the most entertaining of the roles because her game was the least interesting of all the ones that we watched like the, the concept that you have to guess esp style what cards are going to, what shape of cards are going to come up and you have to put them in like the right order or else you potentially get your head blown off for some reason that element didn't quite feel that entertaining and it's probably just because it's the middle of the show and i realized they're not actually going to get to shoot at each other. That would end the show, and that would be a bit of a letdown. That would be a very different kind of show, but they can't shoot each other. Why you but gotta bring logic into Russian roulette, yo? It's because I have no... I can't jump into this world. I'm sorry, I have to be entirely logical. I would be the kind of person who would look at the, like, the aesthetic of the show and be like, Guys, um, you, your eyes are kind of glowing red. Maybe you should go get that checked out. See, you'd be a Fido in like five minutes as soon as you enter the door. <laughs> yeah, right. So I wouldn't even owe any caller on Noah right now. I would be at the bottom one hundred, definitely. So Noah, <laughs> Noah, let me tug at your collar a little. So speak, boy. <laughs> what do you think <laughs> of these two? Pictures. Hold on. Where's my phone? <laughs> oh my god. Oh my god. I, the, so uh, the floor's yours. I made sure to yeah, wipe it for you first. You're... <laughs> How did I go from host to Fido on this episode? That's the way of the cards, man. The way of the cards. I, it's the heart of the I cards, Yugi. Can I get a redraw, please? Can I get fresh cards? No, no, I guess I can't. Um, it's interesting you guys also say that Umemi, uh, Faye's uh, performance of Umemi was like really distinct between the, uh, the idol version and the backstage version of her. Um, I was kind of expecting something a little closer to Stephanie Shea's uh, uh, Akira Kogami from Lucky Star, where there's like a very distinct pit change in pitch and acting style between the idol and the real version side of her. Uh, Faye's performance is really good. I just didn't hear like a distinction between the two versions of her, like in her tone. In her voice, it sounded like the same character on both sides of the coin. Uh, she just kind of changed like the speech pattern a little bit. She was, like, cutesier in the idle side of it, and, you know, more normal-sounding in the backstage version of it. But that's not a bad thing. Like, this is the kind of show where cute doesn't quite exist. Like, we already talked about uh, Runa didn't have a cute Moe voice, and the same thing is true for Umemi. It's like, that kind of character doesn't exist in the aesthetics of the world. So, I have nothing but good things to say about Faith's performance. Um, I just, yeah, I really like the fact that she's consistently crazy throughout both sides of her performance. Um, yeah, I'm looking forward to more things from her. Like you said, Hardy, uh, she's a voice that I think I want to keep a, a closer voice, a closer ear out for in the future. I can't, I don't, can I add anything to the Sarah Ann Williams uh, talk that hasn't already been talked about? Um, here's the one thing. The, the one thing I can say about it is that even though she is crazy and she does crazy really well, she can change uh, her, her voice. Like, she can go back and forth between being turned on and got that libido juices flowing version of her, but then she, like, kind of dropped down into disappointed a little bit when she realizes that she's not going to get to shoot her head out. And I like that. I, I like the fact that, uh, as we're talking a little bit in the direction side of things, you have to change your tone a little bit, because if you're consistently crazy all the time, you it stops being effective towards the audience. And she got that. She got the, the highs and the lows of her character, so Madari felt crazier because she was always not really well put together 
but you could kind of get where she was coming from when she was less crazy, if that makes any sense. Um, mm-hmm. I, I think the the uh, the smoker's rasp that uh, Sarah gave to her also kind of made her stand out a little bit more, because a lot of the characters, with the way that they're directed, kind of sounded similar to each other when they were getting like all hot and heavy. So I, I like that I could tell Sarah's voice without having to see the screen throughout any part that she was in. And, yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm also very, very disturbed by pens now. Thank you for that. The pen is mightier than the sword, they say. Oh, Ow. God. Just, a, yeah, ju- this just is... an FYI, this is a show you definitely watch. Somebody gives a trigger warning for it. You take that very literally. Not just because this girl has a gun, mind you. Because this girl literally just jams the pen in her eye. And it hurts. And it's not... You could hear the sound. You could see the blood. Like, I got, I legit yeah. got queasy. I'm like, okay, okay. There were, I'm used to violence. Yeah. There's two moments. Me too, Hardy. There are two moments in the show that actually made me yes. feel uncomfortable. This is only the number two. Yeah, I think I know which one you're talking in episode eleven. I'm assuming episode eleven. <laughs> oh yeah. We'll get to that. We'll get to that. I, yeah, um, so yeah, Netflix, um, thank you for not putting this in the children's section of your programming. This definitely belongs in the adult section. I, I'm gonna laugh if, like, some eight-year-old is just watching Naruto one day and the recommendations <laughs> is just going to be Devilman Crybaby and Kakegurui. <laughs> it could totally oh, that happen. Poor, that poor child. He's gonna be, he's gonna be either the the coolest or the most screwed up third grader after that. Mm. So speaking of... That's uh, why they make up, Netflix kids, everybody. That is why. Yeah. So we got all our thoughts out about eye patches and idols. Mm-hmm. Right. All right. So uh, now we can jump ship over to um, different flavors of crazy. So um, now we get to talk about a pair that uh, actually get to interact with each other in a way that uh, is more meaningful once you've gotten to the end of the series. And that is the two characters of Kaede and Itsuki. These are two characters who are... One of them is a member of the student council, and the other one used to be, but got kicked off of it. Let me explain. Itsuki is the uh, daughter of a toy company CEO, so she comes from a very wealthy, well-to-do family. And be- But because she comes from that kind of prestigious background, her father encourages her to get on the student council while she's in school to kind of up her prestige and experience while she's here. Um, because of circumstances, she actually got not on the student council, and that kind of pisses her off. And the reason that she's not on the student council is kind of because of this guy, Kayade, who is the student council's treasurer, which means, as you can guess, he's got all of the money, and he uses that to his advantage near the end of the series, where he basically tries to break our lead characters in a game that involves one-upping them in terms of how much you're allowed to bet, and... Well, let's just say that uh, if you thought that the national debt was bad now, you ain't seen nothing yet. Hey. So, uh, <laughs> uh. It's funny, because it's not even in America. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but uh, these uh, characters uh, got to be voiced by uh, very, uh, very good actors and actresses, and we do. Itsuki is voiced by one Erica Mendez, who... I don't have any notes down for her. Uh, That's Erica a fucking Mendes. lie, and you know it, no <laughs> clue. <laughs> I, I, I don't, don't know. I, Is it time uh, to play guess that, Eric? Oh, oh yes. Uh, oh my god. <laughs> oh boy. No. So, um, no. 
okay, I'll explain what Gigi's talking about in okay. a second here, but with uh, Erica Mendez, uh, yes. I say I don't have notes on her because I didn't have to write down that she is Akko in Little Witch Academia, or Ryoko in Kill a Kill, or Nika Nika Ni in Love Life. Uh, probably some of the like most well-known roles of any anime in the past five years. Um, now, as for Kaede, though, this is an interesting one. I'm not going to call him by a screen handle because that's not professional, but he, uh, Kaede is voiced by Chris Ni- uh, Niosi. That's, that's why I said it, Niosi. Yeah, you almost said Niosi, but it's Niosi. Right. Um, he's been uh, getting a lot of work, actually, in voice acting. Um, a couple of things he's been in recently. He was Garmazabi in Gundam The Origin. He was uh, another Fate Apocrypha role. He's Lancer of Red in Fate Apocrypha. But uh, the thing that uh, probably put him on most of our radars was that he plays Arataka in Mob Psycho 100. You call him Arataka instead of Reagan. That's how I know you haven't seen the fucking show. <laughs> and to top it all off, Andrew, I haven't even seen One Punch Man. Ooh. That's not something to brag about. That, that's actually why I'm Fido. I, I want to say I'm ashamed I haven't seen One Mob Psycho's Man. better than One Punch either way. It's cool. It's cool. Do you, have to have se- they- do you have to have seen One Punch before watching? No, 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 no. They're completely different shows. Okay. Um, speaking of entirely different shows, um, these characters, uh, Hardy, you uh, want to take it away? Uh, yeah, I'll go ahead. Um, interesting note is throughout this entire show as I was watching it, I honestly did not know that that was Chris Neosi playing his Kaine. Really? Really, yes, because I remember him from more bombastic roles, such as obviously Regan or uh, what's his name in Tales of Zestiria, uh, where he's much more. Ah, uh, God, what's his fucking name? Oh, this guy bug me. I know who you're talking about. But anyways, top hat guy. Um, but yeah, he's he's so used to playing these sort of uh, high energy and um, really loud characters that. Playing someone as low-key and cool as Kaede really caught me off surprise, and I really didn't recognize it was him until he started getting more dialogue and more presence in the show. And they're like, oh, there he is. That's Chris Neosi. And so it really speaks to his talents as an actor to where I honestly couldn't realize it was him. And, uh, and yeah, he plays the sort of low-key, uh, analytical mastermind character very well and uh let me just say at the end of his episode i hope somebody gets an alan rich because that poor boy got screwed (laughs) (laughs) well played also also before you continue uh the character's name from tales of zesteria is dezel that's right dezel okay uh heading on to itsuki um Erica Mendez is no stranger to our program. Uh, she has a very wide range, as we've no doubt seen from her. And being able to play Itsuki in some, both of some of her more feminine and sweet moments as compared to her freaking out and hysterical moments was really fun to watch. So, yeah, kudos all around. Sweetness. Mm-hmm. Uh, I give ten yeah. fingernails out of ten. Uh, oh god! Oh god! Oh god! Oh god! Oh god! Oh god. Also, Gigi, before Gigi, I'll let you get your thoughts out on the two of them, and I'll tell you which Erica that Erica is. 
Thank you, because we have to play Guess That Erica with me, because A, I don't watch a lot of California doves, and B, when I do, there's too many Ericas, and I never remember which one is which, and there's one that I like more than the others, and I can't remember which one that is. So, that being said, uh, let's talk about the boy, who, because there's only two boys in this show, um, mm -hmm. he obviously defaulted to best boy, although... Truth be told, Aww. I'd rather Midari times 10 than this boy. That's fair. <laughs> so, uh, he yeah. Will, he will buy your love at the very least. I mean, he can definitely try. I'm a little expensive, but you know. Did you see that that last game? I did, but then he lost it. That, that like was, I said, he so hope he had an watch. Allen wrench. Wow. <laughs> so, well, that's uh, a th that's the thing about gambling is it's like masturbation. You're only screwing yourself. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know about you. I don't go fully gray when I do that. Right? Well, you've like never, I... you've never lost the GDP of a small country before. That's true. Oh God, that's true. Oh, and shit. your life. And your life. All right. Uh, um. So Chris Niosi, I've never heard in anything before. So he's new to me. Um, I think the the effect that he used in his performance, um, and here we go, I think it made him, the character, sound very pretentious uh, and smarmy. And I kind of liked it, not going to lie. <laughs> it worked. Uh, that's that's why he's you, best boy instead yeah. of the other one. Um no, I actually, I really did enjoy his performance a lot because I haven't heard him ever. Um, and I think he made a nice descent into madness. Like his descent, like he didn't really want to go there. And then he had to go there because he's nuts. But I thought he did a, a, a nice job descending down into the depths of I'm going to go broke and be homeless on the street and have to sing and have people throw money in my shoe. Oh, that, no, no. See, the thing is, is that a dog always has a doghouse, at least. But is he a dog? He is oh, now. He is, still a dog. he is now. He, he is, is so now. The You're very last correct. shot we see of him in the show is him in the hospital with, the tag. with one of those Fido tags next to his oh, dad. Oh, did he? I think I missed that. I also missed that he was treasurer. <laughs> How the fuck you think he got so much dad. money? He's in the student council. Everybody has fucking money. True, true. That's true. That's true. Not only are they on the student council, but they also mostly come from wealthy families. All right. Yeah, everybody, everybody's rich. Um, as for Itsuki, man, I like this character too. Not just because we both have the same obsession with nails, although mine I just paint. She, <laughs> she likes to pry them. Um, I'm not a big fan of the prying. Uh, but uh, I think that Itsuki and Erica's performance, um, that was just the right amount of crazy here. Um, like the cute girl voice had kind of an, an edge to it. And I thought it was very believable, which is good because like Andrew had said before, everybody's going all ham. And I felt Itsuki was very believable here. Um, especially during the last game against, um, best boy or whatever. Kayade. Yes. I thought that, um, it was very creepy. It was very creepy. And, uh. I just, she like, in the, in her game, she played like death concentration or something. I yeah. thought she almost got to the point where I wanted her to get, but she could have gone like 
one step further and it would have been perfect. But other than that, I thought she did had a really great performance. And I don't know who this Erica is because I've never heard her play any of the characters that you mentioned. Let me tell I'm you. Sure really? we're Let me gonna play guess that Erica now. Okay. And we'll figure her out. Okay. Let me tell you right. where you've heard this Erica. Erica Mendez, as far as what you have heard, Miss Gigi, you have heard her as the voice of Gone Freaks from Hunter Hunter. Oh no. shut up. Yes, that's Gone Freaks. And you've also heard her as the voice of Sailor Uranus. Oh, this is the one that's my wife. Oh, no. Let me also tell you where you may potentially have heard Mr. Chris Neosi in. Because in the new dub of Sailor Moon, he is the voice of Pegasus. He is, but it's not out yet, so I haven't heard it yet. Okay. I'm just saying that's where you may eventually hear him. Yes, as a as a horse who turns into a boy and tries to romance a little brat called Shibusa. Boy, cool. have fun with that, All Chris right. And now you know who that Erica is. As for me, here's my thoughts on Erica Mendez <laughs> as Itsuki. Erica Mendez is an exceptionally talented actress who I am definitely no stranger to at this point. Oh, also, you've heard her as the blonde girl from Gozik. She is the she is the best friend that got friend zoned by the ocean girl in Gozik. Oh, friend zoned by the ocean girl. Yes. Okay. Now I can see her and this Itsuki voice together. Okay. Cool. That's. Okay. I have so so many questions right let's, now. Let's let's not. Anyways, uh, Erica Mendez uh, continues to be a very exceptional actress, and she's got so many different tones of voice. It's almost kind of crazy to keep track at this point. She and this one this continues to be a showing of her really cutesy range. But she's also kind of sincere and genuine, except she's also super crazy and into her fucking nails. And when you see her lose her shit near the end, you feel the tension. You feel her anger. You feel her standing up for yourself. And, oh, God. Ow. It takes a lot to make literally jamming an eyeball, jamming your eyeball out the number two worst thing in this show. When she, when she bites <laughs> off all of her nails, I'm like, ooh. And you want to know the worst thing, Andrew? Well, I was watching that episode at work. Oh, <laughs> you are a brave man, Noah Clue. I, I I don't know if the people in the cubes next to me can hear it, but I was like, ah, 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 ah when that happened. It'd be easier Bad to, touch. it'd be easier Bad to explain, po- it would be easier to explain it as watching <laughs> porn. That's like, <laughs> What, what what are you doing? Uh, I'm watching porn. Oh, oh okay. that makes sense. Oh, okay. Oh. Oh, okay. Anyways, I really like Erica Mendez as uh, Itsuki. Uh, as for uh, Kaede, uh, Chris Diosi is a... I, I was a big fan of like his uh, YouTube comment, content actually before he became a voice actor. But ever since I've heard him start out his voice acting, he's played a number of notable roles. And this is a show more of his more natural... Cool, his more natural tone. It's much more cool, coy, and classy in regards to Kaede. He's exceptionally good at what he does and watching him keep his cool and eventually lose his shit was quite the spectacle. You see him essentially play the biggest dick measuring contest with a bunch of girls in the world. And it was an exceptional time. And man, when he breaks, when he finally breaks, I love the 
the big reveal when he because the whole time he's like i'm gonna take the student council president spot and then he realizes the entire game he's being watched by the student council president running it it was a oh fuck moment that that is a oh shoot we left the hot mics on moment. yeah no it's like he realized he done fucked up and by the end of that he barely could even mood he got his mind blown by three exceptional sexy ladies but boy oh boy did that cost him plenty that being said chris neosi uh impressive job you did a really good job as kayede so um this is uh it's really interesting that uh, for the token boy, Kaede was uh, so uh, dry throughout most of the show. And for the episodes and episodes he was in, I didn't really understand why. Because he wasn't given like a vocal tick or anything to really make him stand out. He was just the token guy. And I didn't understand why they did that. And then we got to the card game where he was supposed to gradually go crazy. And then I understood why they did that. Because it's one thing to have a character be crazy. It's another thing to watch a character like the wheels turn in their head as you can gradually see them start to lose it and chris really nailed that like i loved his uh like how gradually he goes from thinking he's in charge of the situation the confidence huge tower of chips next to him and the certainty that he's got the winning hand in his hand and you can just like hear his voice start to lose it he loses his composure he loses his his professionalism and eventually by the end yeah he's just gone full on howard hughes and he probably needs to be medicated by the end so yeah good on chris for you there as for erica um i, I like the more peppy uh erica flavor that we get out of this um it's it's a it's like a more breathy and feminine version of it and it really is a testament to erica's acting chops because this is um okay everybody when they get frazzled or scared in the show has like a different way to speak um, but most of the characters seem to growl, like, they have, like, a, a very deep, growly kind of sound to their voice, but for, uh, for Erica Mendez, it was more of a warbling effect, like, she, it was, like, she's, like, taking her voice and, like, consistently warbling to show how scared she was throughout a lot of it, which is a tone that it's kind of hard to contain throughout the entire time that she's talking, so I give high props to Erica for that. Um, and I'm really glad also that I thought she was just going to show up in that one episode, in the concentration episode, and I'm kind of glad that she got to show up more as a more of a key player near the end of the series. Um, yeah, so yeah no I'm definitely glad she came back. So, uh, yeah. Yeah, nothing but good thing to say about these guys. I, I wish I had something, like, more critical to say, like, oh, good job, guys. Now if you could just improve on this one thing. But, like, no, no, I can't think of something that I could tell them to improve on. They, they did what they were told to do, and they made the characters shine really well in English. And with that, I believe we have crossed off the last of our pairs for this night. Ladies and gentlemen, uh, if anyone has a pair of queens or kings in their hand, now is the time to show that. I think we have one more queen and her loyal ace. You're right! That's one more up the sleeve that we should talk about. And that it's very interesting because um, I, I know a couple of us are going to say they didn't quite remember one of the characters, but... One of the other ones you will definitely remember quite a bit. And that is, we're moving along to the president herself. Yes, we were talking about the green-haired, blue-lipstick queen of the school herself, Karari. That was more and like silver her... than it was green. Yeah. It kind of depended on what light it was in. Like, to me, it looked like mint green, but from our light, it did look silver as well. I think that's just your TV. 
I was watching I saw, it on my Because I saw Silver. Yeah, same. I was watching yeah. it on my phone. Well, that's why. I need to get a new phone, clearly. Um, and also, uh, to compliment her, um, every uh, as per decree in the anime guidelines of 2017, every student council president must have a slight lesbian assistant to go with her. And luckily, in this case, we have one, and that is Sayaka, who is the uh, assist is basically the tr uh, secretary to the student council, and is most prominent in the debt settlement party, where she gets to oversee the party between two of our main characters to make sure that nobody is cheating, or at the very least, that they are not getting away with it. So these characters, though, um, actresses who have quite a bit of history to talk about. Kirari, uh, particularly, uh, this is the one that I'm most excited to talk about, actually. A name that has been around for so as long as anime itself, and that is Michelle Ruff. Uh, who's probably best known to the average otaku community as Yuki Nagato in Haruhi Suzumiya. She's also Yoko in Gurren Lagann. And in a show that I just happened to be watching last night, she's also Chi in Chobits. Really different, really different kind of character from, uh, from... Kakagiriri. Very. And as for Sayaka, is Erica Lindbeck. Now, stay with us, Gigi. Stay with us. <laughs> I will explain to you. Stay with us. Erica Lindbeck is best known, uh, probably as Anaru in Anohana, or the, uh, the Ornhair's Ponytail video game player. She's Jericho in Seven Deadly Sins, and, uh, what I know her best for is she's the lead character in Your Lie in April. The blonde so, uh, girl? Ka Kaori. Yes, the blonde, vi the blonde violin player. Kaori Maizono. Okay. So, uh, so just just keep that in the back of your mind. That's Erica Lindbeck. So, um, Hardy, um, I know you said you had a slushy uh, just a little while ago. You want to tell us how that slushy uh, turned your lips blue? Uh, why, yes. Um, let's see here. Really quick on Sayaka, much like uh, Christina V's character earlier, she didn't really make much of an impression on me. Maybe a bit more because she does show up more, but really it just sounded like uh, fangirling over Karari. So, and you know, I think Erica did a fine job there. So, um, as far as Karari is concerned, I'm going to keep this really short and simple. It's Fujikomine. It's whatever oh. Michelle did. Whatever Michelle did in the past voicing Fujiko, it's mm. pretty much exactly the same here. And it works, because Karari does have that sort of very low-key, you know, seductive quality about her voice. To where you trust her enough, and, and she, you hear that, those, those dulcet tones, and, uh, and you almost let your guard down around her, when you really know you shouldn't. Because she will rob you for everything, every penny that you own, and just leave you lying in the gutter. And uh, that's something that Michelle excels at. I mean, she did it perfectly with Fujiko. She does it perfectly here. So That's that's straight to the point. Mm -hmm. So, um, Gigi, now that you know which Erica we're talking about and which Fujiko we're talking about, uh, what do you say? On this episode of Guess That Erica, I think this is my favorite Erica. Is this the one that posts all that otaku stuff on Twitter? She is the one that posts all that otaku stuff on Twitter, yes. <laughs> okay, this is my favorite Erica. <laughs> With the Naruto headband and everything. Yes. She, she, 
She is, yeah, she's such a, I, I think someone called her the queen of the weebs. I think that was oh. our Megan. That was our Megan. I would bow down to this queen of the weebs. Trust. This is my favorite Erica. I think she's hysterical. Um, so, unfortunately, Sayaka, the character of Sayaka, doesn't have a whole lot to do. She didn't leave a very big impression on me. Um, I, I wish she, this Erica, were in a different role. Or maybe Sayaka had something else to do because the only thing I could remember her for was that she was the the referee in that poker game. And I was like, she just narrated a poker game, but it was good narration. So, hey, I mean, whatever works. I'm sorry, favorite Erica. Um, I didn't know you were the blonde girl in your lie in April, though. So that's fun. Uh, and then I just watched your lie in April. That's why I'm like, oh, shit. Uh, Wasn't it so good? I mean, it was okay. Like, I don't want to spoil it because I yelled at everyone for two years to not spoil it for me because I didn't want to know the ending of Your Lie in April, so I won't say anything. You might also know Um, the previous Erica, Erica Mendez, as the voice of the best friend girl who has no chance. Oh, shit. God damn it, there's too many Erica's. <laughs> never, never. Never enough Erica's. Um, so, Kirari, um, I thought she was delightfully evil without pretense. Um, I think that parts of it could have been more ramped up, but as this character is, like Hardy said, once, he, once you said Fujiko Mine, I was like, oh, I get it now. Like, she has to play, like, that sexy, powerful role and get stuff out of everybody. And I think if she were more ramped up and lost her shit a little bit more, it wouldn't have been as powerful. So now I have a whole new outlook on this character. So thanks, Hardy. Mm-hmm. You're welcome. Um, yeah. I, so now I, I think it, it works a lot more that I understand that little pretense of it. Um, yeah, I, I don't have a lot to say about her either because... I mean, she's there and she's present through most of it. And did we ever find out about that other voice or should I not spoil yeah. it? I think, no, I think fine. it was, Rirari. here's the thing. Okay. It was literally, I think it was, I didn't realize that was supposed to be the, pre- you're not supposed to realize that's the president posing as the vice president until the end. So there's a pretty strong possibility that that voice was just Michelle's voice just distorted. Right. And we actually, we sent a message to uh, Steve and uh, Michelle on Twitter. I haven't gotten a response back yet, and I might do some digging around. So if we find out the answer by the time this episode gets edited, and we'll put bring up, it up. We will put it somewhere in there. Okay. Somewhere on your screen that you're looking at right now. Also. Okay. And in regards to uh, the guess that Erica game we're playing with Gigi right now, you might also know her as another blonde lady in Hunter Hunter. She is the voice of the Phantom Troop member Pakunoda. She is the one. Is that big nose? She is the big nose with the revolver. I haven't gotten that far yet in the dub, but I know that she's big nose. She is big nose. And since you mentioned Gundam Iron Blooded Orphans, she is one of the female Gundam pilots, the one with the silver hair. Alrighty. All right. Good job, favorite Erica. All right. I'm doing my part to educate uh, Gigi. And in regards to uh, <laughs> what I thought of these characters, I think Erica Lindbeck does a really good job at being super duper gay for the president. <laughs> really? You put a super duper in there. Not just super gay, but super duper gay. Super duper. 
Because that whole thing where she's on her chair and you basically see her longing and blushing. <laughs> it's like, yo, she's about to pull a Nina from Code Geass as soon as this camera fades away. <laughs> she's super. Thanks for asking. Oh, my God. God. I can't. Wow, that's a fucking South Park reference. That one's ancient at this point. <laughs> I'm glad. That one predates you. That one predates me, even. That being said, Sayaka, I think doesn't get too much screen time, but she does a good job being very... She is basically to the president what Ryota is to uh, Yumiko, a.k.a. She is literally sweating 24-7 every time the president opens her mouth. It's like, shit, shit, fuck, fuck, please, no, goddammit, where it's like she's just always sweating and, like, ready to shit herself because it's like, I can't deal with this girl, but goddammit, is she hot and powerful. But... In regards to hot and powerful, uh, president herself, Michelle Ruff, dapper, coy, smooth, dominating, and all-powerful. Very Fujiko Mine. And that's what I got for her. Like, she is cold. Command like, she is as cold as, like, the blue on her lips. She commands the school with a presence. She knows she owns everything. She knows she is the baddest bitch, and she wants you to know it. And god damn it, she Michelle Ruff, uh, great job at playing the part. Alright. Right on. R- right on. Um, I, I think I could be wrong here, but I think Michelle has has been in the most roles and has been around the acting scene more than anybody else here. So not only does she have the right voice for uh, Karari, but it also kind of lends itself some credibility that she also has the confidence and the experience as a leader herself. Um, although, now that I think about it, I'm thinking of like all the actors in a fish tank now, and Michelle Ruff just kind of like sprinkling fish food over them, like, yes, my pets, welcome to the voice acting pool. <laughs> so so kind of like that, uh, kind of like that yes. one scene in Pop, in Pop Team episode two, you little birdies want a snack? Yay! And all the birds are like, <laughs> God damn it. God damn it. <laughs> That's not where I was going with this, but yes, now that you mention it, yes. And as the bird seed falls down, they're all like, oh, yeah. <laughs> way off track here. But yeah, I have, um, I like, I love Michelle because I can tell that it's her all the time. Like, sometimes I don't like when you can tell a voice actress or a voice actor, but Michelle's got that speech, in, uh, speech pattern that I can always tell it's her. But in this case, it works out well because I just envisioned all like the the cutesier voices she's done, and then like turn them into this kind of role, this sort of dominating dominatrix kind of character, and it just kind of makes me laugh. Although you're right, it, it reminds me a whole lot of her Fuchiko Mine performance. Um, yeah, nothing but good things to say about that. I, I love how, I especially love how her voice kind of rises and falls with all the confidence of a leader. Um, like it's not consistently monotone flat hitler dictator kind of voice it's it's seduct it's seducting it's sultry and it's seduct seduct it's It's hot it's very very hot which is funny because this show just never really seems sexy to me like i know what we talked about how there's fan service all over the place and everybody is horny as hell but it never really turned me on except for when we got to kiari like it didn't turn me on, but like it was the it was the closest we got to sexy in like the traditional sense of the word. And uh, as for Erica Lindbeck Sayaka, I appreciate the fact that she is the most straightforward, the most straight, <laughs> no pun intended, <laughs> of the entire cast. Like I wrote down, she's a dot 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 nice girl, 
And that's okay. It's okay to have one character who does not need to be locked in the padded room. And it's okay to have one character who is more, uh, like, enunciates her words a lot better and like, just seems more professional. It kind of contrasts some of the other characters a little bit more. So, honestly, um, for what, instead of, like, converting her into more of a psycho in the dub, I like that Erica kept her more normal sounding. So, yeah, good on both of these guys. Uh, I hope we get a second season so that you guys can get married. Oh, it's been confirmed to get a second season. They are getting a second season. Well, that's just dandy then. Mm-hmm. Space dandy. So, space. Hi, Ian. We're all gamblers, so let's all chop our eyes out, baby. Let's all blow our gambling money on boobies. Speaking baby. of speaking of a uh, lack of boobies, actually. Oh. Uh, oh. Move a, on to. I'm gonna hey, tell hey, you they said that. They they wrote on the girls wrote on her desk. You flat chested, can't quite finish that sentence. So let's talk about Mary, <laughs> shall we? We're we're gonna get down to some of the 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 top three characters of the show, the ones who uh, are, are like the key players in the story as we know it. And uh, Mary is the blonde haired girl who. Um, Okay, uh, she's introduced in the show as, like, the queen of the classroom. Uh, lots of people owe her debt. She can control everyone at the beginning of the show, but that is all upended in that first episode. So her entire arc is basically losing it and then getting it all back again. She goes to the bottom and rises back to the top. She she that... is the first boss that essentially becomes the best friend rival character to our leading lady. Right, if we were to video gameify this thing, th yes, that is exactly what she is. It's not even so, video um, games, it's like shonen. Well, yeah, that like I said earlier, this is kinda like Utena in that every like all the characters are like a battle you have to go up against, and depending on how the show goes, they may become an ally later in the show, even though you had to fight them originally. Right, right, right. She's speedwagon. Have you even seen Utena? Holy shit, I did not I would Hell never yes, have thought to Utena. compare her to Speedwagon in my life. <laughs> <laughs> but considering that she is like the best friend slash part of the exposition dump for a number of matches, that kind of works. <laughs> Even Sao Tome is afraid. Is that a JoJo's reference? That's a motherfucking JoJo's reference, alright. There's always time for a JoJo's reference. <laughs> Holy shit. No. Oh god, now I'm having flashbacks to Yomacon 2016. Please, please viewers, please viewers, please give me a picture of Mary Sao Tome with a uh, Zeppeli hat. I know the voice actress. <laughs> I know the voice actress for this particular character <coughs> would very much appreciate that. Who is that voice actress? No a clue. I'm trying to, but you guys keep speedwagon, really. Motherfucker, I okay. made, I gave it to you. Like, you're, you're not, but you're part of the problem. Andrew's the cause and solution to all life's problems. Damn yes, right. Yes, he is. Speaking of the cause and solution to all of our problems. Kira Buckland is the one who voices Mary, and I am so happy that we get to talk about her, because I don't think we've gotten to talk about Kira Buckland for a very, very long time. Mm -hmm. uh, she is uh, known as uh, Mika Harima in Durarara. She is Madoka Kiono in LaGrange, the Flower of Rene. And since we have to come back to Love Live in every episode that we talk about, she is Umi in Love Live School Idol Project. William Shatner's best girl. 
Oh god, <laughs> I forgot about that. That is going to like that's got to be part of the wiki page from now on. <laughs> it's canon. So uh so yeah, Kira It's totally canon. Kira Buckland, uh Hardy, t- uh mm-hmm. take this hand and uh well no, the uh rock paper scissors on this one and take it away. Oh yeah, it's uh it's a great role. Um I especially like how Kira is able to capture, uh, once again, the duality of the characters. Uh, Mary is more or less just the, um, I would say, she's the stuck-up brat more than anything. Um, even, well, she's blonde. Well, yeah, naturally, with pigtails. So she, <sighs> she's she got them Sinduri traits already. But, uh, but yes, Mary sort of is more outspoken and doesn't really hide more, so much of a duality of her personality. She's very much more, much more open about her feelings. And uh, well, she's like, well, she's kind of like, she's trying to hide it a little bit when we first meet her in that first episode, but that's just because she's trying to win the game. Well, yeah, after that, it's just like, bitch, I'll tell you what I feel like. And I think, yeah. you know, uh, once she gets to that point, then Kira's just fabulous. Like she doesn't give a crap anymore. <laughs> you know, she went down the gutter. She worked herself back up. Uh, she's going to tell you what she thinks. And um, I think when Kira's in roles like that, she really excels. Not to say anything of Kira's personality. I don't know if she's like that. I highly doubt she is. But uh, but she does play those parts exceedingly well. And uh, I think this is no exception. So, yeah. And uh, watching her sort of uh, during the freaky... Um, um, face moments is always fun so this entire show is just a gift that keeps on giving in terms of goddamn broken bullshit reaction faces <laughs> right yeah um speaking you... of uh, broken reaction faces uh gg what was your reaction to kira's performance yeah that sounds accurate um <laughs> so uh mary was contender for best girl until midari happened um, because I like blonde girls, obviously, and I like Sundares, <laughs> obviously. Um, I really, I really enjoyed this performance. Like, I thought that Kira played her equally crazy and cute at the same time. Like, there was a very nice balance there, and I really enjoyed it. Um, and then I really liked the switch. Like, when she goes broke, then she was just like, okay, I have no money. I'm going to clean up all this horrible graffiti on my desk and I am just going to suck it up for now because I know I'm better than all these fucking plebs and I'm going to make all this money back and fuck them. So I, I really liked her attitude there. I also liked like the poker game episode. I think that was one of my favorites. Yeah. Yeah. Like when she was all up on uh, Yumiko and I was like, Oh yeah. I was like, I can see this. I can, I can kind of ship this. Like I'd be down. (laughs) Ten out of ten, and lesbo I, power couple. Ten out of ten, I'd lesbo no, again. Well, are you talking um, about? Po- are you talking about the poker game at the end of the series or the sh- deck the deck clearing party? party? The deck clearing game. Okay, yeah, um, I can see that too. And I really enjoyed when she got angry. Like she's a good angry little bitch. <laughs> so I, I I liked Mary, and I thought you know she was right there again. The same thing like with Itsuki, just like one step higher, and it would have been like. Majari perfect, but I sh- thought her performance was really great. Good deal. Andrew. Mm. All right. Sorry, I'm chewing some greens. Uh, in regards to Mary, 
I don't have as many notes as about her as some of them, but I will say that uh, Kira Buckland does a great job being snobbish and gloriously hammy. Kira Buckland really knows how to strut herself well with Mary. There's a there's like you feel the arrogance in regards to this character. You feel her high and mighty hoity toitiness, and then when you see her fall from grace so far, you feel the complete and utter despair that she is in. And it it is it is great. And then when she rises back up, when she gains her confidence, when she shows her stuff, when she's ready to face off with the Queen Bee herself, and she's like, I ain't gonna deal with your shit. I'm not gonna work with you because you made me look like fucking trash. And when you fuck with Mary Sautome, you ain't gonna go up <laughs> easy. You ain't gonna be forgiven. I'm gonna take you down, bitch. And she That's does funny. all of that well, spectacularly. Okay, we've gone from JoJo to Kill Bill. Straight up, she is like one of the biggest JoJo fans in the world. So I imagine if one of our fans doesn't draw uh, Mary with a speed wagon hat, she's just going to commission somebody to do it herself. That idea is free, Kara. <laughs> I, I know Hardy already made the comment Well, when we got to the last episode. I'm not going to spoil anything, but... The Waldo! Zawado! Zawado! The fucking, the fucking Arcana, like, straight up coming into play as, like, a game of chance. It's like, oh god, only the president can pull Zawado. <laughs> so, yeah, the, um, uh, I'm gonna agree with everything everyone else said here. Um, particularly, though, one thing I want to point out for Kira's performance is that Everybody has to scream a lot in the show. Like, everyone gets frazzled and they have to, you know, speak very loudly when they're either about to lose it all or when they win it all. But a particular note, Kira seems to be able to scream very clearly. Like, when she is shouting out what she is, the exposition or her thoughts about not to make a stupid move in the game, I can understand her very clearly. It doesn't sound graggled or uh, any other kind. Like, I can understand it very clearly. And that's quite an accomplishment, because I don't know if you've ever tried to scream and talk at the same time, but it doesn't always come out the most didactic. So uh, I'll give Kira this for having a really didactic performance with, uh, I think, a Midwest inflection. Like, I try to catch accents and dialects in shows like this, and I thought I caught a Midwest inflection in the way she was speaking, but uh, I guess at the end of the day, it was just uh, a good snotty... Probably American stereotype of a character in the original Japanese, because let's be honest here, Mary is not a common Japanese name. Uh, it's it's definitely like, ha I think she's half Western, absolutely. Mm -hmm. It's so, the blonde uh, hair. Yeah. Yeah, because... Um, Always gotta stereotype the blonde girls, don't ya? Hey, it was either Nobody either says anything about the pink-haired girl, but no. <laughs> is there even a pink-haired well, girl in this show? There is uh, not. Oh, wait, wait, wait. You met me. You met me. You met me is, yeah, I was going to say. I thought her yeah. hair was brown. No, it was like, it was like dark. It was like, like brownish red. It was like dark pink or something. Uh, it was, yeah, it was definitely on the redder side. Everybody's getting their hair colors wrong in this show. I mean, seriously. It was green, I tell you. It was mint green. Look, the last two are pretty easy. Uh, and by that you mean the hair color. The last, understand. The last two characters' hair colors are pretty easy. But who are they? Right. Don't remember and black. Exactly. exactly. 
he's just there. I, I love the fact about the, the about this last second to last character is that he's just kind of there. Not really a distinguishable feature, but he's just kind of there. He's just kind of there. And that character in particular is, uh, I guess, our lead male character in the show. He, but Because you gotta have a lead male character. You, it's in the rules. You gotta have one. Also in the rules, you must have a beach episode or a hot springs episode or a uh, open bath episode in every Okay. Show. We didn't have so any I of didn't those. We didn't have any of well. those. Well, they better fix that for the second season. Anyways, then. remember what we called Mary the Speedwagon of the show? This character is actually the Speedwagon of the show. Mm-hmm. He exists to exposit, and that is Ryota Suzui. Um, he is no, he's introduced in the show originally as a Fido, and that is the school's term for people who have lost or are in heavy debt that they cannot pay back, and therefore basically have to be house pets or servants to other students in a way to basically redeem themselves for their money they can't pay back. This is a guy who um, gets to exposit a lot of how the games are played, he gets sucked into a lot of the crazy schemes, without actually wanting to be a part of the schemes himself. So, um, you know, he's got it good right now. But uh, for a good voice actor to voice this, we got us... Griffin Burns, who is um, an actor who does not have as many credits to his name. He's actually got more credits to his name that I can't talk about because they're for shows that we're going to talk about later on. But a couple I can talk about, uh, since we just did an episode about this, he is Akari Fudo in Akira. Devil Man. Sorry, Akira Fudo in Devil Man Crybaby. He is Ko Nakano in Ajin. And what I know him best for is Jintan, the lead character in Anohana. We still don't know the name of the flower we saw that day. Also, going so. back to uh, Hunter Hunter comparisons for Gigi here, he is the sure. voice of Shalnark, a.k.a. the blonde boy with the cell phone from the Phantom Troop. Oh, I liked him, the gay one. <laughs> yes, let's go with that. Well, he's certainly not gay in this show. Uh... No, no. No, well, that, that sec, you know, actually, sexuality is not entirely a part of his character. I don't know what his character is. Actually. Everybody Fire is attracted to losing or winning. Can you, can you tell me what Ryota's character is exactly? He is supposed to be the stand-in for the viewer, basically. Ah, he oh, is. So the he's the Otome protag. Pretty yeah. much. Yeah. Yes. He, if it, yes, this was a game. Yes, he would be the uh, self-insert protagonist. Right. Right. And as such a self-insert protagonist, I have mad respect for Griffin Burns. He did his job. He um, he came in and he gave this character a voice. The problem is the character <laughs> is literally nothing. That's the point. Yeah. I mean, it's no dig on Griffin Burns. It's just Ryota is, he might as well be an information post. Push button... <laughs> Push the button and it will give you the exposition. I'm crying. I mean, he has his moments here and there. So he's Schrodinger's he has... protagonist. Basically, oh, yeah. Fuck. No, I mean, God, but he, he, he's he's literally just a, he's in he's exposition dump the character, and it sucks that he's kind of our male lead because he does he he actually helps out only twice in the entire series. Once during the, um, ESP life, game, e, the, yeah, the life or death game, and 
also the very, very end. Which is non-canon, so that technically doesn't count, I guess. Right, right. But, um, but yeah, I mean, Griffith does his job for what he's there for. Uh, he is able to emote by the few times that Ryota actually gets to act. But And it's no fault for Griffin as an actor, but Ryota just kind of suffers as a character because he's pretty much literally nothing. He's just there. And that's... Honestly, we've had work... We've had shows who've done a lot less with a lot more, so... Um... I will say this, at least he's not Kirito. Boy, it, yeah. He... Kirito who? Okay. From Sword Art If he were Kirito, he'd be the best guy ever. In this show, he is the dude that is basically, <laughs> like, has to wear a 24-7 diaper to even comprehend the, everything that's going on around him. Like I said... I'd rather have mm-hmm. Kirito than this guy. That was not entirely fair, Andrew. Like he, he I mean, he, if he didn't understand what was going on, then he wouldn't be able to exposit it for no, us. No, he, he, he actually grows on me later as like a character. It actually does have some cool, okay moments, and I actually do enjoy his chemistry with Yumemi. Like I think they complement each other. But he himself is basically a giant ball of anxiety that is our. He is our eyes because we can't see into the mind of Yumiko. We have to see right. through him because the mystery of Yumiko is that we don't get what the fuck's going on with her. That being said, that's but, a good point. Mm-hmm. Anyways, but, but, well, Griffin does his job. He does a good job, and that's what I have to say. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. So, uh, GG. Griffin Burns, uh, hero or zero? Well, Andrew, why don't you continue? Because you were sort of going. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm okay, sorry. Go ahead. It's just, it's. I think the thing that makes the character work is the fact that he is. He isn't like obnoxious to me. He is just kind of there. And in a show where literally every other girl character is chewing the scenery to a T, if he was any more, I feel that would detract away from that experience. So I think he is there just enough to be noticeable, but not in the way enough to be obnoxious. I think in regards to that type of character, he actually does a pretty good job where he is just kind of freaking out while while Yumiko's having her crazy, zany, psycho, lesbo adventures. I bet, I guess the but, best the best way to describe him is he's inoffensive. Inoffensive is a really good word. Thank yeah. you, thank you. But how does Griffin portray that inoffensiveness? I think... Griffin plays that inoffensiveness uh, pretty well, actually. Like, he he emotes well enough. He's very anxious, but he also is kind of cool when he wants to be, especially in, like, those moments, even in the final episode, where he does kind of get to be a cool guy for a couple seconds, and it's like, I can hear it. I think Griffin Burge does a good job showing a lot of his stuff, but he is, like I said, the character is just there, but I think Griffin Burns does a good job putting personality and intrigue to Ryota. I almost forgot his name was Ryota for a second. Shit. <laughs> no, he, he's just protagonist. No, he's heroine. Oh, God. Snossage! Yeah! That's... <laughs> he, he is... He... He's actually Snossage! <laughs> Basically, he is a snack for our leading lady to be consumed by. But, tell us what you thought of this personal Snossage, Gigi. Oh my god, he's Snossage. If you don't know what we're talking about, please reference the Amnesia episode of Dub Talk. He's fucking Snossage. Literally, he's Snossage. No, no, and Gigi, don't say the word fucking Snossage. 
Oh no! <laughs> Don't say he's fucking sausage. Don't say that. He's just sausage, sausage Chan, the male <laughs> version. Um, yeah, he's a good little sub, I guess. He's a dog, Fido, rough, rough. Even when, <laughs> even when he's not. Are you okay? I'm fine. Even like. I mean, he's kind of boring, but he's basically a pet who is still kind of a pet even after he gets his debt paid off. So, I mean, why bother playing with him with any kind of personality? But here's the funny part is that Griffin Burns' performance reminds me so much of another actor, and I can't put my finger on exactly who it is. You know what? I had the same thought, too, and I don't know if this is the same one you're thinking of, but I thought for the longest time... Holy shit, it's the return of Brad Swale. No, that wasn't it, because I don't know who that is. No, not squeaky oh, he, enough. Well, you know, he sounds, he reminded me a lot of Rock, of Rock from Black Lagoon, like in the less crazy parts of that show. Honestly, Maybe that is. I can kind of see it. Maybe that is. I can kind of see it, actually. Yeah, shit. Now that you're thinking about it, he does kind of remind me a lot of Rock, because he seems to be like, what the fuck are you doing? But the more he gets into it, the more he's kind of like, I kind of like seeing this life play out exactly sorry i mean it's it's just very weird because the whole anime i thought it was some other actor and then i looked at the credits and i was like who the hell is this (laughs) um i still think it's some other actor and i can't (laughs) i can't think of who it is because i'm not used to california actors but it sounds like someone so familiar but it's not because i don't know who this is um, in like no, in like a year from now, we'll probably we'll, you'll finally figure it out, and you'll wake up in the middle of the night and be like, "Holy shit, it was that guy!" Yeah, I think I just need to watch it again. Um, but I feel that um, towards the in the Midari arc, and then t- to the end, I felt like he actually got to use his acting skills a little more, um, and I thought that that was where his performance really shined because yeah he's a wet paper bag otome pro tag now i get it um he can run around like yui and diabolic lovers and do absolutely nothing um but he'll still be there to get the life sucked out of him so that's the end of my ryota thing yeah it's got it's telling like it's really easy to do okay i'm not gonna say it's easy to do crazy but it's more fun to play the crazier characters it really is a lot harder to play a normal-sounding voice without making it boring, and that's definitely what Griffin did in this whole thing. I just wrote on my notes, pretty normal-sounding, and that's, again, not a knock against it because that's what he had to work with. If, like, let's, let's pretend, like, in an alternative dimension, that the entire team of Steve and the team decided, we're going to give this guy, like, a Brooklyn accent, or we're going to give him an Italian accent, or, like, something to make him more standout-ish, that would have really been unnecessary in this whole thing so i give full props to griffin for just being a normal sounding guy who explains the game mechanics as well as the script gives to him like uh, i didn't quite understand the the death with guns game uh, exactly like how you were supposed to set up the cards and who the winner was because in my mind i'm thinking well, hold on, if you're looking at it from a certain angle, the cards can go left to right, or if you look from the other way, they go right to left. But that wasn't really... The, the, the point of the whole thing was just that... The point of that whole thing is that Midari is crazy. So, uh, yeah, as far as uh, Ryota goes, I don't have anything bad to say about him. I'm okay with him being kind of 
milk toast just because we've got enough crazy as it is in the show. So speaking of crazy, um, I think we finally reached the end of our poker game, ladies holy and gentlemen. Holy shit, is it time? Last holy hand. Shit, holy shit, indeed. Place your final bets, people. We are about to bet it all. Life or death, deal or no deal. Which of the 20 cases do you want to take? Come on down. It's the Price is Right. Yumiko Jabami, the lead character, the crazy black-haired, red-eyed, insane protagonist who doesn't gamble for money, doesn't gamble for power, doesn't even gamble to get herself out of trouble ever. She does it for the fun of the game. She gets off on the thrill. The higher the stakes, the bigger the potential loss, the more those juices just flow in her. And thank God for that, because... She could have carried this whole series by herself. Who could you possibly get to play a, a, a character that insane? Well, we found an interesting one. And Gigi, get on, uh, get back in class because we got to teach Erica training all over again. Oh, guess that, Erica. And this time, it is Erica Harlocker, who is really well-known, actually, uh, for a lot of the stuff we've already talked about on Dove Talk before, and I'm... Glad we get to talk about her again, actually, because she's been in some really good stuff. Like, uh, she was Elizabeth in The Seven Deadly Sins. She is Haruka in LaGrange, The Thaw of Rene. And she was, uh, interestingly enough, um, for, like, an entirely different kind of character, she is Emmy, the uh, calm and cool collected viol uh, piano player in Your Lie in April. Um, uh, Andrew, do you have a couple other roles that she's been in to teach Gigi who this Erica oh. is? I have only one... And you're gonna drop your fucking jaw. E Erica Harlocker. I need to say that again. My biggest fuck up in Apocrypha is saying her name as Harlatcher. It's Harlocker. I, Harlocker. I apologize. The one Gigi will know Erica Harlocker from in Hunter Hunter Kurapika. No! Yep. She is <gasps> Kurapika. My husbando number three. Yep. <laughs> Night and day. How? How is that even possible? Acting. Uh. Because er Erica is a is a cold stone badass and potentially needs to be in an institution based on this particular role. Speaking of that role, Hardy, um, put into words this character's acting. Um... The word batshit comes to mind. <laughs> but, uh... Kurt. Yeah, this is just the most glorious piece of ham I've ever seen. And she, you could tell she's just hamming it up in the booth and having the time of her life. And But, I mean, you guys are all going to comment on crazy Yumiko. I want to talk a little bit about normal-sounding Yumiko. While I was watching the show, I was listening to Erica's inflections and... I was recognizing something, but I couldn't quite place it until the very last episode. One of my favorite actresses in anime ha is and has always been Wendy Lee. And I was listening to Erica in the last episode. She was giving off a lot of very distinct Wendy Lee vibes. Younger Wendy Lee vibes. Back when she was voicing... Uh, shows like, even before Cowboy Bebop. 
like uh, Magic Knight Rayearth or um, something like some of the Saban dubs like or even the, the gold Har- uh, Harmony Gold Dragon Ball Z dub. I'm talking streamlined dubs. Holy shit. Wow. Yeah. And so I can offer no bigger compliment as an anime dub fan than to say that Erica gave me major early Wendy Lee vibes. That was just awesome. So maybe you, you can't really hear it. It doesn't sound exact, but it's a lot of the same inflections, a lot of the same way she, that she raises her voice um, mm-hmm. to enunciate that you could pick up on it. And I just, I, th- I thought, you know, I struggled identifying it through the entire show. And then I'm like, hey, that's what she sounds like. And I'm like, hey, Erica's good. Erica's <laughs> really good. And so, yeah, Welcome. I think that Welcome. she just did a phenomenal performance. You all, you guys are all going to talk about her crazy talk, but I think just regular sounding Yumiko was, was fantastic. Mm. Um, yeah, um, you're not wrong. We are going to talk about crazy. Gigi, you want to talk about crazy Yumiko? I mean, I will. Um, I didn't really get the Wendy Lee thing, but then again, I cannot watch Magic Knight Ray or the dubbed at all, so... I can't do it. Uh, so here's here's my thing with this performance. Um, great pretty girl voice. Like, I was so down with how cute she was. Like, and I was just like, oh, my God, this girl is so adorable. Like, she kind of reminded me, not in any other way other than I think she was so cute, um, of Yuzu in Citrus because I thought Yuzu was adorable, too. Um, and I was like, this is a really good, cute girl voice. Um, uh, but when she went crazy, <laughs> th- this was the one I thought needed to turn it up. What? I, I was not, I was not feeling it. What? Like for somebody whose catchphrase is get your gamble freak on. I did not feel freaky. I was just kind of like. <laughs> Okay, (laughs) you know, like I just, yeah, I didn't, I didn't get it. Like maybe because I mean I am a girl, and like, like, just for me, like it wasn't like a turn on or anything. Like I just, I wanted more. I wanted more out of her. I wanted more (laughs) out of the performance. All Um, you bastards want is more, 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 more. I do. I'm leave her alone. I just want more. Um, she does a lot of exposition dumping, and I almost feel like the tone that she gave Yumiko when she was exposition dumping was a very condescending tone, and that took away from the cuteness a whole lot. And I was just kind of I like, think, "Okay, I think that's the point." I, I it is the point. Um, but I was like, you know, when she's with Ryota she's super adorable and maybe that's how she is really and then all of a sudden she turns like she's trying to be sexy and then sounds very condescending um and i just i didn't get the crazy part i got condescending which if that was what she was going for hey great job i didn't get my freak on however she does have a very nice singing voice i liked that you know two lines of singing we got in the idol episode um, I just, it, it's a very good performance. Don't get me wrong. Like, I think this, this, we'll get more into this, but I think this dub as a whole is stellar. I just, 
for the main character, the one who's supposed to be the craziest of them all, who gets off on gambling, I didn't feel it. And that's very important if you're going to get off. So, but all right, I'm, that's a, I'm it's probably a valid not this core demographic here. So, well, you can't. I thought the show was tailor made for you. With all the fish I mean, and everything. Oh, God. Fuck, I hate fucking fish. <laughs> fucking fish. I still don't. You, all you fucking boys go fuck your fish. Oh. Thanks. It's... Bye. Oh, no, no, please don't. I think Hardy has a show called, like, My Bride is a Mermaid for just that purpose. Oh, yes. <laughs> oh, man, you have no idea. Okay. Oh, yeah. Made me want to become a pescatarian for sure. Get out. <laughs> My parents oh, are pescatarians, God. so that makes that statement really weird. <laughs> okay, so, Gigi, I'm going to have to take that mic from you for a second, okay? <clears throat> so, first things first, when I started notes, I said the phrase, holy shit. And then I kept saying it, and kept saying it, and kept saying it, and then three to four lines of my notes are straight up just me saying, holy shit. Well, was it like that one scene from The Shining where it's like, holy shit, tripping, holy shit, holy shit, holy yes, shit, yes, holy kind shit. of something like that, okay. So, now into my actual things. I am a big fan of Erica Harlocker. Harlocker, right? Right. Harlocker. Okay. Erica Harlocker. I always knew she was really good. She's impressed me in a couple of roles in the past. Also, she's the video game voice actress for Kyoko Kirigiri in the Danganronpa games. Fun fact for you, Gigi. <clears throat> I always knew she was good, but holy fucking shit. There are so many different layers that it's like some of them I'm accustomed to with regards to Erica. I know she's really good at Moe Little Princess Goody Two Shoes. She's really good at making that voice and she makes it sound really cute and adorable. Like I love the whole scene where everybody starts calling her middens and then she's just like, Meow, meow. I'm a gamble I'm a gambling addict. I'm a kitty with a gambling addiction it's just like meow go back to your home <laughs> oh god god that was so cute and like weird should i wear a tail and she oh god she probably would but all that said she plays the cute little innocent princess act so well but man when you see like what she actually is like in the game she is a cold calculating manipulating monster of the game of chance she is so freaking scary, intimidating, crazy, sexy. It's so great. And, like, she even gets angry, too, at Midari when she's just like, this isn't even gambling. You're just trying to get off on the pleasure of it. It's like, that's not gambling. You infuriate me. You're nothing. It's like, oh, God. Like, I've, I've heard Erica Harlatcher. Har Fuck. Erica. <laughs> damn it. I, You're fired. Okay, Erica. Down the Erica hall. Harlocker. I knew she was really good at like cute, authoritative. She's good at cute princesses and like badass heroine ladies, but I've not seen her pull like the full on crazy, powerful. Like she is chewing everything up, and she is. I like I've seen a side to this actress I don't think I've ever seen in the form of Yumiko Jibami. And this was a breath like I've seen her in a lot of stuff. 
she's really good in a lot of stuff, but this is a side of her I genuinely have not seen her play. And getting to see that she can pull this kind of shit off says a lot about her ability. I, She's been getting a lot more work lately, and god damn it, does Yumiko prove that she deserves it. Good on you, Erica. This was a treat. I don't know if I can possibly follow that up. Good point. I give you a round of applause for that, Andrew. Thank you. Uh, all I can really add to this is, um, yes, she sounds good normal. Yes, she sounds really good crazy. But the thing that I, I'd like to point out the most is that for Erica's portrayal of this, she has to not just play crazy and normal. She has to play a variety of roles. Um, let me put this in animation terms. Okay. In animation, a lot of the times, there's only like eight key po uh, facial expressions that the key staff will have to work with. So you won't get a whole lot of variety in the facial expressions. But sometimes you'll get like really good animators who will like have 50 different varieties of how to draw a character's face to show the different flavor of inflections for that. I felt like that in watching and listening to Erica's portrayal of this character. I felt the 50 flavors of fucked up in the, uh, you have to be uh, kind of surprised new student coming in. You have to have like the cutesier, sultrier demeanor, the more hushed persona when you're like, I don't know how to play this game. Then you got to switch on the dime over to like really intense uh, mentality when you have basically revealed you're already dead persona. Like that range right there, that is what would make or break a Yumiko performance in English. And in just watching the first episode, I was a little worried that it was going to be a little too... There's going to be two note, basically. It's going to be either really normal or really crazy sounding and no in between there. But no, Erica grasped the variety of the character, which might just be a bit of willy-nilly writing in her variety of characters. Like, I thought maybe she was, like, actually really complexly written, but no, it's more like she's just kind of a crazy person. Which, to go off of what Gigi was saying, I think the reason why it didn't go as crazy as you wanted is because we're not supposed to understand this person. And also, like Andrew said earlier, we don't get into her brain at all. Ryota is the, you know, the self-insert voice for what's going on in the show. But we don't get to hear Yumiko's thinking at all. So when she does go crazy, it's generally surprising. I don't have anything bad to say about this. Like, th this was, like you said, a treat to listen to. And if I could just listen to, like, a solid 20 minutes of Umiko describing, I don't know, like the u.s constitution or something like that like i i'm convinced it would be just as entertaining a lentil soup recipe mm. oh i could get off on that so much <laughs> voice. Ew. that's some food porn for you <laughs> I, I will get i will say this though like I, I think Umiko was supposed to be sexy in just the way she's animated, but the only I didn't really get sexy out of any of the characters. Not not because of uh, the voice acting or anything, but just because it's too over the top. I, I like subtlety in my sexy. I don't like, let's push the boobs right in your I face. I also think this is a show in general that is, unlike a lot of other like anime things where it's like they promote all their like super sexy waifu babes this is a show not afraid to break and contort their faces as far as humanly possible and mostly would you say that's more for comedic or dramatic i'd say dramatic good question yeah, it's not funny so it's <laughs> definitely yeah, I agree. A, it's, i'd say this show is definitely more of a drama than a comedy but mm -hmm. 
it, you get sort of an unintentional comedic effect from all the crazy twisted faces. Right. I mean, it's but worth I, I never watching. Laughed it, in it. It's worth watching the right. show just for the facial reactions alone. I mean, these are the best faces I've seen <laughs> since GTO, and that's that's saying something. That wow, that's that takes me back. Yeah. Although I think the show had a much better budget than GTO did. Oh, it significantly. Did. Like specifically, like the animation on the hands, like when they're describing how the game is supposed to be played, they they put a lot of frames into the hand animation. I think that was a good time as any to go into Final Thoughts, honestly. That is good. I'm glad you took the segue and ran with it, Andrew. And uh, you know what? Let's switch things up a little bit. Let's gamble with the order here. Andrew, I want to know your final thoughts on Kakegurui's English dub. Oh, shit. Put me on the table. Okay. Um, I say as a show, I, I know some people kind of compare this to uh, stuff like Kaiji or something. And they're like, this is a much weaker show about gambling and or the stakes of gambling, which may be fair. I've not seen Kaiji myself, but I've heard good things that it really does a good job raising the stakes, making the tension feel real. I think this show, what I get is not like the excitement, it, not the exact excitement of the matches or to understand how these crazy life or death games work. I'm in it to see the facial, like the reactions and the way these characters break and or react to shit going down and i think in regards to that i would probably have been less entertained by this in like the japanese and or having to read it so the fact that the english dub is as goddamn outrageous standout hammy goodness as it is really sells this show so much more for me than i think it would have prior like, every single character sounds like they're having a time of their goddamn lives. Some are pushed to levels I genuinely don't think I've heard some of these actors pull off. And some are proving to me that they are people to look out for completely. These are names I will keep out for or have been on my radar or will stay on my radar for many, many future shows to cover. And that is a testament to the strength of these performances and the strength of the direction involved for a first-time dub. Well done. Right on, right on. Um, Gigi, um, keep the ball rolling here. High praise or uh, toss this one in the gutter? Oh, no. Like, I really enjoyed this show. I thought it was extremely entertaining. Um, and I liked the sports anime. I liked the characters in it. I liked all the crazy situations that happened. And I really did enjoy the dub. And the only reason that I'm being so critical about it is because I don't, I don't want it to seem like everything was completely perfect because it was very good but at the same time i think if like with just a couple of tweaks it would have been outstanding like i've already said that citrus was is my dub of the year and i don't know if anything can change that but i did watch kakagurui first and until citrus came kakagurui was winning so i mean it's very good i just i wanted it to go even further ham and even further over the top that it did because you know this show does have a lot of fan service in it and i hate fan service um but this didn't bother me it was a great use of houndstooth print um and if you're going to show me fan service and you're not playing it for comedic purposes i just i want the things to be believable and a lot of it was some of it wasn't to me 
but I have a different perspective because I am a girl. So what I like is probably, well, it's definitely not what you guys like because I like a lot of boys and I, I don't know. Do you guys, you, do, I, do you guys, do I need to get my camera out? Do you guys swing that way? No, I really no, no. like, yeah, I really but like let's this Let's hear dub. it for the boys. Yeah, I'll, let's I'll, hear I'll, it for them. They work hard for the money, so you better treat them right. <laughs> as did all the actors, directors, and staff and writers in this dub. So congratulations. Wow. High praise from Andrew. Top tier performance from Gigi. All that leaves is uh, me and Hardy. Hardy, um, I know you're usually the grumpy dissenter of this, so um, the, let's tear this piece of trash to the ground. I got nothing to say. I'd Dang say, it. as far as the dub is concerned, it's a triple seven. It's a royal flush. Ooh. It's a 21. <laughs> and I give it 10 fingernails out of 10. Oh, God. Oh, you brought it back to the Ow. nails. God damn it. Go- uh. God damn it. Goatman Hardy. <laughs> I can finally take my sunglasses off. <laughs> so, um. The uh, the consensus seems to be three out of four three out of four doctors recommend Kakaguri. Let's up that to four out of four doctors recommend Kakaguri because um I did this was one of those shows that I did not think I was going to like actually because um uh, mostly because I'm not really for shows that seem to glorify people acting like terrible individuals but. This, <laughs> I, I, yeah, I know. Ironic, isn't it? Especially because I like I actually like School Days, which is all about people acting terrible. But um, this is a show that the people are acting terrible, but it's all self in, it's like self-contained. Like everything that happens does not stretch to anyone outside of their little circle. And I had a hard time kind of nailing down what the philosophy of the show was until I realized this is a show all about what high schoolers are the most scared of. This isn't uh like Andrew kind of said, this isn't exactly the kind of gambling show that you watch just for the gambling of, like, uh, life or death situations. This is, okay, high schoolers are afraid of ridicule by their classmates and not being, not having a future all to themselves. Like, they, uh, so if you've got a show where people could potentially be engaged to some, to a politician for the rest of their life or could be ridiculed as a mitten by their classmates, that's as bad as it can get. So if you keep that in mind, this turned out to be a really entertaining kind of show. And the dub definitely carried on with that. I liked that it was not as ham is not as hammy and over the top to to as the point as to be unbelievable. Like this could have easily been a gag dub. They could have gone full um Ghost Stories like a Hitalia or Ghost Stories with this. And no one would have blamed them for it, but I, I vastly prefer the method that they went with here where they kept it. Only hammy in the scenes where it needed to be, and only because that's really what the direction called for. Um, the one thing I can critique on this, it's just a minor nitpick, is that a lot of the actors have very similar speech patterns to each other. Like, I got the sense that um, they were directed to uh, speak dramatically and to speak with a lot of the same speech patterns, so that if I closed my ears, or sorry, closed my eyes and just listened, I couldn't quite tell the difference between some of the acting just based on the way they were talking. The pitches were a little different, but the way they were speaking, not so much. It's not really a huge deal breaker, it's just that I, I like a little more, like, I like each voice to be distinct on its own, in its own special way. But that's really as bad as I can get. I cannot criticize any other thing about this. Uh, the only way that you could not like this is just that it's not your kind of show. Like, you watch this and think, I don't like the over-the-top sexiness, or I don't like people 
uh, trading away their lives. Which is totally for fair. The show, the show could definitely be, not be for you. Right, and that yeah. that's totally a, a fair thing to admit. Like, if something about this isn't doing it for you, though, fully like realize whether or not it's just you don't like the acting or you just don't like the kind of show. Because so far as we've seen, no no one who we've talked to can really say they dislike the dub. So that is a really high praise, I think, and is a good way to end off this discussion. So um, now that we've uh, now we jazzed you up and gotten you all hyped up for the gambling experience ahead of you, where can you watch this show? Well, as we've discussed throughout this entire uh, episode, it is currently the whole show, the whole 12-episode series is available in both dub and sub up on Netflix, which if you do not have a Netflix account right now, I believe it's $9.99 for new people to register. And with that, you get a ton of stuff. Um, I don't know if I have to explain Netflix to, to anyone here. You but, either uh, have it or you're you're borrowing off of somebody else's, simply put. Pretty <laughs> much. <laughs> That's a good point. That's a good point. And if you are borrowing off of somebody else, we will not tell them. It, it's okay. We will keep that a secret. Or um, j- just to uh, add a little more spice, a few more chips to this game, if you would like to read the original manga this was based on, which goes beyond the 12-episode story that we've seen in the anime, it is currently available in English from Yen Press. So uh, that is um, a place to keep going with the story until they adapt the second season of the show, in which case we will have even more nail-biting action to talk about. Uh... Eye-popping, well, full of eye-popping imagery. Oh, God. The show is actually uh... trigger-warning-inducing. Fucking hell. <laughs> <laughs> and, and with that, I will, uh, pass the, uh, I will pass the poker chips over to my cohort so they can tell you where their projects are in this day and age. Um, Hardy, I will pass the chips to you. Really quick, you can find me at Spaceman Hardy on Twitter. You can also find me as a moderator on Funimation's forums and Discord. You can also find me as a Funimation Discord mod and finally a Funimation forum mod alongside Spaceman Hardy. Uh, as for where you can find me, uh, I'm mostly doing stuff for Dub Talk. I'm also a co-host on surreal resolutions podcast ona which is an anime based news podcast and you can find me on twitter at mangaman 9000 under the name classy spartan that's a lot of names <laughs> well i don't work for funimation like everybody else uh my name is Gigi. you can find me on twitter and youtube at anime palooza where i post videos on mondays wednesdays and saturdays about usually boys and yuri on ice merchandise and anything i deem sexy also idolish seven everyone go watch it that's my shameless plug is that airing right now yes it is airing right now Oh, is is that the we were gangsters and then we turned into girls show? No, 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 no that's, that's next season. That's in like the summer, and that's a that's a whole nother can of worms. I'm staying the fuck away from. But Noah, open. I'm totally watching. Noah, it. open up your. I can- Noah plans to. Noah, I had no plans to watch that either. But I knew Gigi was gonna talk about <laughs> Noah, it. Noah, so like, open your can of worms so that. I could go to bed already. Yeah, I gotta no, go pee I'm- again. No, you people will pay. You will pay your debt, and you will stay here, and you will listen to me talk about Western cartoons. Yeah, I'm talking about real, honest-to-goodness American cartoons, because that is what I like to talk about on my own Twitter account, which is Noah Clue. Um, no, not just uh, American cartoons. I like the whole world of animation. I'm, I'm just I'm more well-rounded than uh, some of the other anime fans. 
But uh, speaking of uh, being more well-rounded, I also have a YouTube channel, which is Journey Traveler, where I am cooking up stuff that will be that has to be done in the middle of the night because I have a full-time job and a full-time family that doesn't leave me much time for anything else. Wish me luck. Finally, I can get some stuff off the ground. But with that, we have gotten this podcast off the ground and finally gotten to the end. Woohoo! Woo! Hey, where can you find Dub Talk though? Ah, that's a good question. Sorry. I thought we were done, JJ. You gave me more stuff to talk about. You can do it. Okay, I can do this. I can do this. All right, Dub Talk is the world's greatest podcast talking about English dubs anywhere. We, we did a tally. We're number one. And we have <laughs> a YouTube channel, which you are hopefully currently watching, unless we have converted this into audio files, finally, where we are at uh, YouTube.com slash Dub Talk Podcast. We also have a Twitter account, which is also Dub Talk Podcast. We also have a couple other uh, social media accounts, such as Instagram, Tumblr, um, and Twitch. Thank you. Um, which, uh, but the uh, the Twitter account is the one that we update the most frequently. Uh, sometimes I hijack it just to type the words "Doofenshmirtz Anime Podcast" on a Thursday morning. All right. And with that, we have completed the game. Um, the final tallies for the night. Everybody's a winner. You're a winner. You're a winner. Everybody's a winner. Thanks, Double zeros. Everyone wins. Mm-hmm. And now we get to go to bed. So as we Yay. say, as we say now and always, thank you for listening. And otaku on, my friends. Otaku on. Love your faces. Otaku on. Keep it nice. And get your gamble freak. Get your gamble oh, on. Get, gamble get your gamble freak, freak on. on. Woo. Let's get it on. on.